Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to the Totally Driven Entertainment Radio Network. In the future, none of you are heroes. You're legends. Get driven. Stay driven. Ladies and gentlemen, good evening and thank you for tuning in to our Thursday night programming of Totally Driven Radio. <laughs> but why wouldn't you tune into the greatest show heard all around the world? <laughs> Driven, everybody. It's totally driven radio. We are live on the air around the world, around the globe, in your ears, in your face. If your computer's facing you or your phone, or you got earbuds in. Either way, there you go. My name is Bear Ragney, and uh, we are here tonight. We've got a hell of a show for you, but I can't do that show without my good friends or uh, at the present moment, friend. Uh, just one of them on the line. The other one will be calling in very shortly. Uh, so let's welcome to the show the guy out in the desert. The author himself, the man known as Mr. Nick Wilkinson. What's going on, buddy? What's up, man? I am so excited to be here today, and it doesn't have anything to do with our guest. It's just, it's Kristen. (laughs) I can't wait to talk about what's going on in Hollywood. Like, uh, 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 Dude, it's insanity. It is, shit is popping off. Right, and, and and you know what? Shit is popping off, and the person behind all the shit popping off, Rose McGowan. Well, I, <laughs> I have some feelings about Rose McGowan, but I'm gonna keep them to myself. Um, but yeah, she, she is just bringing the shit storm. She isn't letting anybody lie that she knows is lying, and she ain't holding anything back at this point. Now, now, uh, do you think that uh, it, it's funny because uh, uh, me and my wife were talking about this morning, and uh, we, we were both kind of in agreement where we were like, she she seems like she's very disgruntled about Hollywood. Now, okay, I, I'm I'm with you on that. She does. She seems like maybe fucking something happened where she's just kind of like exiled from Hollywood. Right. And maybe it has to do with the, you know the sex stuff and the women's equality and pay stuff. Maybe it does. May also be that she's crazy. I don't know. I don't know her, but she doesn't come across as the most emotionally stable person. <laughs> oh boy. That's all I'm saying. And I'm not calling her a liar. I'm not saying anything that she's saying is untrue. I'm just saying that it's 
kind of hard to take her serious sometimes. You know what I mean? Like, right. now, do Kate you think Beckinsale the... come out and say something, and I'm like, yo, I fucking totally believe Kate Beckinsale. Rose right. McGowan comes out and says something, and I'm like, yo, didn't you get caught fucking a married director? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh. it's it's tough. You know what I mean? Like, I, I bet you Robert Rodriguez's wife does not agree with Rose McGowan. Yeah. That, yeah. That, that's all I'm saying. And, and it's a, in a way, it's sad because she could be telling the whole truth and people are doubting her. You know what I mean? Like, and, and I feel bad about that on two fronts because we do live in America and you are innocent until proven guilty. But, uh, I mean, come on. You can only hear the Richard Gere gerbil story so many times before it's true, right? Right. <laughs> uh, now, do you think um, with this whole uh, craziness and this whole, um, you know, this this whole just the insanity that Rose McGowan is bringing on. I mean, because she is really out there waving this flag. Do you think this is going to hurt her more in the long run or help her? I mean, I, I can't remember the last thing she was in, so it's got to help, right? I, I, I don't know. I That's what I'm, I'm, you know, because it does like seem like she has been kind of like exiled, like you said. I mean, maybe, though, some of these more, like, Patty Jenkins, some of these more, like, uh, impressive women directors will step up and be like, you know what, I don't give a shit. You know what I mean? Like, we're going to hire you anyway. You know what I mean? Right. I, I don't know, though. They, they, they've been around until now and haven't. But you, you never know. Like, her not working in Hollywood could have nothing to do with this. She could all she could be telling the truth, but also be hard to deal with. Right. You know what I mean? Like I, she's the Shannon Doherty, same way. You know what I mean? Like everybody knows it's hard to deal with Shannon Doherty. So, yeah, I mean it. It, it just it, it's she's in a tough situation, but I, I think at this point she hasn't been trending on Twitter in a while. You know what I'm saying? Until now. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let's uh, let's, let's, also welcome, <laughs> let's also welcome to the show the man, uh, the man who's uh, the king of the boom boom room, Mister Jimmy Janetti. What's going on, buddy? Hey, I'm in issues with my phone all day today. You sound tired, hey. right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, no, this I'm, is your night uh, tonight. Yes, absolutely. I'm excited. Nice. Very good. It's. It's about time we got something to excite you, right? Sure. 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 The, yeah, when was the last time he was excited? Was it the fucking Queen playlist? Yeah, I think so. Probably. Maybe. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> there you uh, go. So, uh, so uh, all right, so tonight's show, we got uh, we got calling in any minute. It's going to be Kristen Burt. Of course, we're going to be talking the whole Harvey uh, Weinstein. Uh, ben Affleck, I can't imagine Affleck we're going to talk about anything else. Well, we only have her till quarter of, so um, we'll have to get it all in. But uh, so we'll be talking to Kristen about the the um, insanity going on out in Hollywood. Hollywood. Uh, coming up after Kristen, uh, we're going to be talking to uh, her name is Erin Dickens, and um, 
she was actually um, one of the founding members of Manhattan Transfer. As I was going through and doing research and all, it turns out she uh, she only was with them for the first album back in the early 70s. And um, then they went on and actually broke up and reformed with a whole new lineup. And But uh, she went on and uh, with an amazing career of working with, like, when I was going through the, 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 the names, like the people she's worked with, I mean, I was kind of blown away. Um, let me see here. Uh, Bette Midler, Talking Heads, Roberta Flack, Greg Allman, Peebo Bryson, Leonard Cohen, uh, Yoko Ono, uh, Ian Hunter, back on Once Bitten, Twice Shy. I mean, uh, amazing stuff she's done. She's done uh, books, solo albums. She's got a new solo album coming out uh, actually next week, October 20th. It's called Vignettes, which is an amazing album. I was listening to it. Very, very relaxing. And actually, she has like the picture, or I should say the pitch-perfect voice a jazz singer I think should have it's kind of like an angelic jazz singer so uh, check her out Erin Dickens we'll be talking to her in about half hour 40 minutes and then coming up at the, the 10 o'clock hour uh, we're going to be talking with um, TV legend and icon she was known oh. as Hot Lip MASH Miss Loretta Swit we're going to be talking all types of stuff with Loretta some MASH stuff some um, she does a lot of work with animals and all she's got a book out that the uh, Proceeds are going towards uh, animal charity, so that's uh, pretty cool. It's called uh, Sweetheart. It's uh, it's all like watercolor paintings she's done of animals. She's really freaking awesome, and, uh, amazing artist. So it's cool stuff. Um, so I am interested to hear what she has to say about the sort of current situation in Hollywood because I mean she was around, you know, when women were treated even worse. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like right. I, it's going to be interesting to get sort of a side-by-side comparison from, like, you know, classic Hollywood as opposed to now. But, that, I mean, that's exciting, dude. Fucking MASH, come on. You know what I mean? Like, for those of you out there that don't know, okay, the season, the series finale of MASH had 125 million viewers. There were only 83 million TVs in the United States at that time. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's how big it was. Now, Nick, Nick how old were you then? Were you, were you even born yet, or were you, like, an infant? Or? Um, I was, let's see, the film came out in 70, right? So right. I wasn't. I definitely wasn't alive there. The TV show came out in 72. And it ran to 83, so like, I was four when it went off the air. Wow. But they played it every single day, you know, Gilligan's Island, uh, The Monsters, Matt, like, I grew up on a lot of those classic TV shows. Oh, sure. They they played them in syndication nonstop, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, they, like, they haven't been out of syndication. MASH, I don't think, has been out of syndication at all since it since it went off the air, uh, yeah, and even now, now they're redoing, uh, they're reshowing them on Me TV now. Right, uh, they start so yeah, it's the resurgence again, you know. But normally, yeah, you can you can there's a lot of channels you can go to uh, and watch Mash even today. So. It used to it used to even be on Netflix, but recently. Hulu bought the rights, so now it's yeah, so now it's streaming over there. 
right. So um, this. I was going to say, actually, Kristen, Kristen is, uh, is here, so let's get her on before we uh, don't have her no more. So let's welcome to the show, Miss Kristen Burt. Hello, Kristen. Hi, how are you? Oh, we are waiting patiently for you because there's so much to talk about. <laughs> oh, boy. Let me tell you, I've only talked about one thing this week. One. And you know exactly what it is. One. And it, you know, and I honestly, like, I called probably two or three minutes later than I normally would because I just wanted to make sure that I had all of the latest information because everything just seems to be changing from moment to moment. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot for all of us to wrap our brain around. It's, it's, it's crazy because you're saying it's the only thing you've talked about. And I totally believe that. But there's a fire destroying all of California as we speak. And that's not what you were talking about. Like, just... 100%. And, well, and here's the thing, too. I think it's like uh, we are far enough. Uh, this is no excuse, but we are far enough away from the, the fires. Anaheim's a good hour from Los Angeles. And then, of course, Napa is a five, six-hour drive. Not that we don't care about it, but I think everyone's trying to – Everyone has their own natural disaster. Puerto Rico is still going on. You know what I mean? Like everything. Yeah. There's so much going on. It's crazy. Yeah, Hollywood's burning right now. Hollywood's Hollywood trying to put out this fire. <laughs> uh, I mean, we are we are one big like dumpster fire right now. I we really are. I mean, literally and figuratively. And uh, you know, it's been. Um, it's interesting because there's a lot of stuff that's going flying out there on, of course, uh, social media, and, you know, people are talking. But at the same time, there's a lot of stuff that is happening behind the scenes in that, like, I have a lot of friends who are saying, you know, if this happened to me, and they're just not ready to come forward or anything. Um, but they have been in a very similar situation to what, you know, Rose McGowan's talking about or Two Second Sale or – I mean, countless others. It's just, it, it just feels like everyone has a story. And honestly, everyone does have a story. And I don't care whether you're in Hollywood or whether, you know, you work for, a, you know, in finance or in manufacturing. I've got to admit that I think that every woman probably has at least a sexual harassment and or a sexual assault situation. Everyone. Do you think, I mean, from what it seems now, it really seems like the floodgates are just going to unravel now, and it's like Hollywood is just going to get taken down. Hollywood's the first industry that's going to get taken down, and then it's going to go to everything else. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. we're, we're dealing with it because we've got a high-profile um, executive in the movie industry that is uh, obviously not ju- – he's just the tip of the iceberg – um, there's many others that go along with it. And I keep, you know, I've been talking with a few friends and I'm like, I wonder when, and you know, so-and-so is going to go down or just a person or that person, because here's the thing we all know, we've all, um, seen it, heard it, whispered about it. And, uh, it's just a matter of time. You know, Bill Cosby was maybe the start of it. I think what really got the ball rolling was that access Hollywood tape. Um, because it got all of us talking about going, oh, my gosh, this really does happen all of the time. And, and you can't deny that. I mean, I, I was talking to my mother-in-law about it, and she's, 
she just turned 70, and she was like, you know, the the whole quote-unquote casting couch scenario has been around since she was a kid. You know what I mean? Like, like everybody sort of was like, yeah, that happened. But nobody ever talked about it. No one ever talked about it. I honestly think, I mean, 100%, and I don't know that it's really a plausible scenario that could ever happen, but I think the whole entire female population of Hollywood needs to walk, like, 30 days of nothing, you know what I mean? No PAs, no assistants, no directors, no actresses, like, put your foot down, you know what I'm saying? Like, because this, this is crazy shit that's happening right now. And it's like predatory stuff. It, it is. And, and, you know, in some of this, too, you know, I think this is one of the discussions, too, that I've had this week, um, that understanding what sexual assault actually is has been an eye-opener. And I think that conversation really started when, again, you're talking about that that tape that came out last year with Billy Bush. Um and I'm going to completely 100% admit it. I, to me, sexual assault was always like you were raped and or um, there was penetration of some sort or maybe there was oral sex. Understanding now, really in the legal terms of what sexual assault is, that includes groping. Whether it is your breasts, your buttocks, your other private areas, that is sexual assault. And I think, unfortunately, every woman has had some type of sexual assault happened to them. And it happened to me, and I will tell you, I, I haven't named the actor, but it happened to me in November of 2015 with my husband two feet away. And I think, like, we, at the time, we were like, dirty old man, la, 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 ha, ha, ha. Right. Because my husband had worked with him um, several times. He, the, we were all familiar. We had been in different cities together. And it got to be the point where, as the narrative evolved, we started going, wait a minute. He must have done this. I wasn't the first person he did it to. And obviously this other, like he probably did it when he was younger and he probably did it more aggressive because this person is kind of feeble now. And we were like, dirty old man, blah, blah, blah. And I laughed it off at embarrassment because it was at a big award ceremony. Um, and literally his hand went, traveled up my leg, up my skirt, grabbed my butt and my butt crack. Um, and you know, and you're like, what, (laughs) you know what I mean? You're like, no one just dared to do that. And you know, and then you're walking away in embarrassment. I'm like, why am I embarrassed? You know? Um, and I did tell my husband right then. He's like, should I say something? I'm like, no, no, no. He's just a dirty old man. And I guess he's just copping a feel. But when you start to define what it is, we've actually come to realize we're like, holy cow, like someone sexually assaulted me while my husband was two feet away, you know? And I'm fine. Listen, I am fine. But just understanding what those parameters are has been an interesting education. And now my husband feels bad. He's like, I feel like I should have just done more. And I was like, but at the time, we handled it the way we've always been taught to handle it. Be polite. Right. Shake it off. Dirty old man. Right. super crazy. It has opened up a whole lot of conversations. I work with a lot of parents and a lot of teenagers on a daily basis. And one of the questions that keeps coming up this week is, and I won't get into the whole who it was or whatever, but there's a very simple story where somebody said, he put his arm on my shoulder and said, hey, let's go up to my room and have sex. And and the boys were like, you know, how is that sexual harassment? Doesn't that happen at a bar every single night? And I said, but th- that's the key scenario there. 
you're not talking about a place where single people are coming together to interact with each other. You're talking about somebody who is your boss. You're talking about somebody who controls how much money you're going to make. You're talking about somebody who could say she's very difficult to work with, and then you don't get a job for five years. I think there's a huge difference between hitting on a girl in a bar and what's it's not about what's being said. It's about the context of it. You're absolutely right, and I, I will tell you, one of the media outlets I work with um, called an emergency, not only harassment training, which I just went through. I mean, I literally just left. It was four hours long. Not only was it harassment and assault training, it was also active shooter training um, because of what happened in Las Vegas. So all this weird stuff. Um, and, I mean, we spent the whole day talking about this and understanding what's appropriate. And, you know, and then on top of it, by the way, in an emergency situation, if there's an active shooter, these are the four steps you're supposed to take. And you're like, oh, my God, my brain is on overload, honestly. Right, yeah. Holy crap. Because I'm like, Do you what has our world become? It's become a very sad, ugly place right now. Do you think that um... – with with the whole Weinstein situation, do you think that just that it's going on so long, um, whether it's Hollywood or business anywhere else, but it's going on for so long and it's just been kind of brushed under the carpet for so long. It's just become, you know. Oh, a hundred percent. I totally agree with you know, that. And you know, part of the room. don't you think like I worked at a restaurant and I got harassed all the time when I was a hostess and I would walk back to the kitchen, kitchen staff would harass you nonstop. And you know, I was at a place we used to wear like little cute baby t-shirts and little skirts, nothing inappropriate. Everything was covered, but man, the comments, the touching you would get. And I mean, that was going back to, I'm going to say mid nineties at like a, um, at a theme restaurant, you know, um, this stuff has been going on a long time. I mean, you look at yeah, Mad Men yeah. and like, we joke about it. Like, isn't that funny? But you know, <laughs> I think we've just gotten to a point where we're like, we're better than this. We're not going to accept this. And for the younger generation, like I hope that they have, they deal with this less and less and less as time goes on. Yeah. I, I can never imagine uh, being a female. Really? Uh, what you, what all women go through is just oh. right. But you have a daughter. Do you know what I mean? It's like you have nothing, to think about this. Nothing hits you harder in the face when it comes to this subject than having a daughter. Like when yep. you start reading about what happens on college campuses to a huge percentage of the female population, like one in three or one in five students, like that female student, that's like, why would you ever send your kid to college if that was the case? You know what I mean? Like, right. I want to move with her. <laughs> right. But I think, like, I think that what I, I – I love whomever leaked that tape last year. We don't know who it is. But I've got to tell you, they did the world a favor because we're starting this dialogue – and as long as parents are open about having this dialogue with those kids, and you know, you don't have to get super graphic, but you know, as they get older, as you send them off to college, having them understand even more. Because I've got to tell you, I was raised to be polite. I was raised to like, you know, not embarrass someone. I was raised to know uh, a good touch from a bad touch, but not understanding that a bad touch is a bad touch and it's sexual assault. You know what I mean? Um, right. 
whether it's someone's grabbing your boob or whether someone's raping you, they are both bad, period. And they are both sexual assaults, as defined by the law. Because I just, you know, and it's kind of, I, I sit there and I go, it's kind of baffling that I feel like as an adult, I'm like, oh, okay. But it's just, you know, the generation of how we've been raised and what we believe. I, I'll tell you this, and I'm almost scared to know the answer. But, like, mm-hmm. I, I think we live in a pretty progressive time. I think we've come a long way since Archie Bunker, you know. But uh, but considering what we're talking about right now, I would like to hear from somebody like Olivia de Havilland about what it was like when she was in Hollywood. Because I can't imagine it was better. I doubt it was better. Right. I, can't, I, 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 yeah, I was like, I can't even, because also the studios controlled your image and your life and who you were and what you looked like. And it, they were even, they even had more constraints than, than we ever had. Uh, I imagine there's more than a handful of studio actresses that ended up married to people that assaulted them because they were told to. Uh, it's, <laughs> I agree. And, you know, if you're following what's happening with Rose McGowan's story, I mean, right now she's she's been unleashing the fury on Jeff Bezos from uh, Amazon, um, and she directly to his face said, Harvey Weinstein raped me. Not harassed me, not sexually assaulted me, raped me. And, um, you know, Amazon was in bed with Weinstein Company. Um, Rose had sold a show to Amazon, and she was asking him, based off of her experiences, please don't do this deal with them. And he was like, you know, he just thought that she was like making stuff up. And, you know, we went through this with like the Cosby case, like uh, 50 women that don't know each other. And we know it's more than that um, are not making this up. They're not just, you know, we're we're not just like, Hey, you know what? This would be great. I want to be harassed on Twitter and Facebook by coming forward and saying that Bill Cosby is a rapist. Nobody gets out of bed thinking that. Uh, there might be like that one tiny weird little fraction of a crazy person, but 50 random women from different generations all across the country, no. no. So, and yeah. We no. were talking about Rose before you came on, and, and I was saying, you know, I, I, I'm, I, I feel for her in a way because she did, Okay, like Kate Beckinsale comes out and says something, and I'm like, yo, I totally believe everything that Kate Beckinsale is saying. Rose McGowan, every time she's on the screen, they show a picture of her with a shaved head. They show a picture of her throwing something. So she always comes off as sort of like maybe a little unhinged. And, And I don't know if that's them. Like she could be telling the truth and also awful to work with. But the two of them shouldn't have anything to do with each other. You know what I mean? Right. And in, instead, though, she kind of comes off as just a little unhinged. And it's unfortunate because she's talking the loudest. And I, I don't think she's getting the uh, – I, I don't think people are taking her as serious as they should be. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that she's getting the support on Twitter. Uh, there's still some crazy people that are just – harass her nonstop like why are you doing this but um, I feel like now she feels like she's being believed for so long 
she just wasn't believed. Um, right. But, uh, but yeah, it doesn't help when the media is like, let me show a photo of you playing a witch on television, right. you know, right. like doing a little hocus pocus on charms, you know, something like that. You're like, this does not, ha- this does not help. This helps nobody. Um, but, uh, you know, for Harvey, I think he really believes somewhere in his delusional brain that he's going to get a second chance. And I got to tell you, he's done. There's no way he can make a comeback on this one. No. no way. Do, you, do you think that whole thing yesterday with uh, him supposedly being suicidal was just kind of like a, a almost like a play for sympathy? I do, because he has too big of an ego to commit suicide. <laughs> That's what I really believe. Yeah, I honestly, when it came on the screen, I was like, yo, this dude hired Olivia Pope. I was like, this whole thing is a setup. Like, he's totally trying to make people feel sympathetic for him now. Yeah, and I was like, I have, I have no sympathy. And we're all like, oh, I mean, a- anyone that had knowledge of this, which is including myself, including myself, this is not a secret in Hollywood. And anyone that says it was a secret is lying. Um, we're all complicit you know, in many ways, um, but again, coming forward is not easy, um, you know, and my husband and I have sat there and go, do I come out and, like, say who the actor was, and, you know, right now, we're like, we don't feel like it, we don't feel comfortable, like, we've had to deal with it, kind of, um, in our own um, personal lives, and what that meant, and we're still grappling with all of that, so I was just like, I'm not prepared to go forward, um, but, you know, it's, it takes it takes so much courage. Like I see it, it takes so much courage to come forward. So what Rose is doing, or Gwyneth, or anyone else that has come forward and said something, uh, Angelina Jolie, it's they're it's you know, it's a big deal. Now I, I will tell you from an outside point of view, when I see somebody like Kevin Smith come out and make a, 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 a you know a speech about it and stuff. I, I don't feel the same way as I do when Gwyneth Paltrow comes out. Like, I've seen Kevin Smith live four times. In that four times, he's told 40 stories. Of those 40 stories, 36 of them had Harvey Weinstein in it. I don't right. believe that he didn't know. You know what I mean? He like, 100% I don't believe that. I, there's no way that I believe that he's sickened by it because I believe that for the last 10 years, he's allowed it to happen. Correct. And, like, if I knew it at my level, he definitely knew it at his level, and that is that is my point. It's like we are all complicit. I will take on some blame for this too, because like right now, I'm not even like saying this is so and so did this to me. We are all complicit. You know, I have to deal with like you know when I want to come forward or how I want to come forward or if I come forward at all. But at the same time, people that were in major positions of power, like Kevin Smith, were profiting off of all of this stuff that Harvey was doing to other women. It's horrific. Right. And, and I think that that's uh, in order for Hollywood to, uh, and I don't want to say get past it, but in order to move forward, I think there's going to need to be some sort of reckoning where people have to admit that they didn't do anything. You know what I mean? Correct. Everybody has to come clean and be like, you know what I did? I, I saw stuff happen. You know, Corey Haim was telling the truth. Uh, Elijah, you know what I mean? Like, you have to be like, no, we let this happen. We screwed up, and and now we can deal with it. You know what I mean? I I don't want to hear any more speeches about how you condemn it, because who doesn't condemn it? 
Right. And, and let's talk about the, the Corey thing, because that is the next wave of stuff that will have to be dealt with because everyone's like, yay, you know, sexual assault of women, we'll, we'll take this on. No one, no one has taken on pedophilia in Hollywood, especially towards young right. boys. We've talked about it a lot here. Um, but, you know, Corey Feldman is afraid to name names. He's not the only one that was abused. We, Corey came essentially lost his life. He lost years of his life because of, you know, drugs and alcohol, which I do believe are related to that abuse. These people are still walking around Hollywood. They're still free. They're fine. They're making tons of money. Um, and all these secrets right now are just they're not coming out because no one, everyone feels icky. But I was like, if it had been a bunch of girls, we'd all right. be like screaming from the rooftops. But because it's young boys, no one wants to touch it. Now, okay, so I have to ask you this question because because of who you are and your involvement and stuff, though. But so, when do we stop giving awards to Roman Polanski? Uh, we should have stopped giving awards to Roman Polanski in the seventies. How does that sound? Hell yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because it's re- sometimes it's really hard to listen to somebody condemn somebody when I've seen them on stage clapping and handing the guy an award. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's how it disgusts me. Why are we all still working with Woody Allen? Let's start absolutely. there. Absolutely. How, yes, no, I, absolutely. Um, I mean, I'm trying to just, um, Mel Gibson was another one that, you know, a lot of people have an objection to, and he's been welcomed back into the fold. I don't think it's ever been, you know, uh, I don't want to say officially proven, but people still work with Brian Singer. Oh, yes. Allegedly, Brian Singer is part of that. Allegedly, Brian Singer is part of that Corey story. Yeah. Allegedly. Uh, And, yeah, and I mean, like, look, it's, it's, this is like, this is big. This is huge. And I was like, it's just the tip of the iceberg because I, I tell you, some of the worst people in Hollywood haven't even been mentioned yet. And, you know, I was talking with a, a girlfriend of mine who I've worked with for years, and she um, was majorly abused by um, a big entertainer. Um, and she had a case where um, a woman accused him of rape, and the FBI got involved, and, you know, they contacted her because she. You know, she had dated him for a while, and she was like, you know, I don't know this woman, but this, all of this is true, um, just based off of my experience. And somehow the case went away, someone got paid off, and, you know, the story never saw the light of day again. And that happens quite a bit. And I'm just waiting. It's one of those that I'm like, I'm waiting for someone to come forward big time on this one and go, me, and then a bunch of other women are going to go, me, 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 me. I, I, I'll tell you, you know, when we started this conversation, you said Hollywood is just the first uh, of many industries that this is going to happen to. And, and I'm telling you, without a shadow of a doubt, I think Silicon Valley is going to be next. I, I, I think that all the, social, all the social media platforms, anywhere where there's a predominantly male sort of, I, I mean, we all know the kind of people that are hired in certain industries. You know what I mean? Like, the, without a doubt, that's next. I, I'm telling Well, we've heard the sexism claims from some of the women that have worked in um, Silicon Valley. It's only been a few, like, women coming forward about it, but I do think you're right. 
because I think that there's been a lot of abuse happening there. I can't imagine there hasn't. And, and you know, when you – when you hear, and I've heard a bunch of people kind of laugh about this story over the last couple of days, but when you hear about the story that Terry Crews told, right? Yeah. Think about how blatant that really is. Because you're not talking about a 16 year old Kate Beckinsale. You're talking about a 300 pound Terry Crews in front of his. I mean, this guy, whoever it was who did it, just so in his mind. There is nothing that he can't do. Right. Again, and uh, blatantly doing it in front of spouses. That's what happened in my situation. Nobody cares. That, absolutely. And, and, and you have to, people have to understand how blatant that really is. I, I mean, that's a you, that's a, I mean, John Gotti had that attitude. Yeah. It's, I mean, the whole thing is like, it's nuts when you really think about it. And, uh, you know, I think for all of us, we're, just, you know, like trying to like finally like realize like this is rampant. This has happened to pretty much every woman, um, definitely to every woman, probably over the age of 18 at some point, which is horrific to think about. Um, and we've got to stop protecting these people. We have to stop saying boys will be boys. It's not what it is. Boys will not be boys. Not every man does this. Um and then when behavior like this does pop up, it has to be punished right away. And people have to be – we have to empower people to be okay with reporting it and not be scared no, and know that they're going to be believed and supported. I, I'm glad, though, that you said not every man does this because I, I'll tell you, okay, you have a situation like the Taylor Swift situation. This guy was taking a picture and he you know, put his arm around her and did all that. I, I, I'm telling you, like, I've had the privilege of getting into a few Comic-Cons and, and being labeled as press and getting to take some free pictures with a lot of uh, genre-specific ladies from Hollywood. Kristen, I've never actually touched any one of them. The only one who's ever touched me was John Barrowman, <laughs> okay? I, I do the one inch off of the shoulder hold. Like, I've never physically made contact with any of these people. So to think that somebody would so blatantly do what you described and what Taylor Swift described, it's, it blows my mind. Like, like, just, it's disgusting. Yeah, think about it. This guy was doing it to Taylor Swift while his girlfriend was right next to him. So not only does he have no respect for Taylor, he has no respect for the woman that he's sleeping with. I mean, it's sickening when you, like, break it down it, like that. It really is. To, to go from there to there, it's, I mean, that's years of just unadulterated, I can do whatever I want and nobody will even say anything to me. Like, to, to get that mentality, somebody must have gotten away with it so many times. So many times. That's what you have to also realize and, like, make it okay in your brain. You're like, I wasn't the only one. I wasn't the only one. You're, you weren't their test case. If they can, like, get up your skirt in three seconds, trust me. It, they have done it. They're so skillful. And, you know, and I've even done the whole, like, in telling this story, I've even done the whole, like, well, you know, I wasn't wearing a super short skirt. And I was like, that's a blame the victim mentality. Um, 
but I wasn't just so in case anyone was thinking like how short was that skirt I'm like I was at an award show like a, a conservative like award show like just think about that like right. you know it wasn't as formal as needing a gown, but I certainly wouldn't show up like it's the MTV Movie Awards, you know, with like a short right. skirt and, you know, boobs hanging out or anything else like that. But, and, you know, and then I was like, and, and then I was like super embarrassed when I was talking about it the other day. I was like, you know, and then my undergarments, but I was like, not every girl wears granny panties. Like I shouldn't be apologizing for what I was wearing under my skirt. I didn't want panty lines, you know, Absolutely. <laughs> but that's it, you know, and there was plenty for him to grab there because of my undergarments. And then I'm like, why am I apologizing? It's not, I, I didn't do this to myself, you know, but that's what happens. But uh, it, when, when you hear terms like institutional racism, this is the same thing. This is institutional sexism. It's institutional right. sexual assault. It's, you know, it's absolutely, you believe you believe that way because for the last 20 years, people have told you that that's how the world works. Yeah. Men, some men are pigs. You know, boys will be boys. Be polite. Don't embarrass. I'll tell okay. you, I'll tell you a quick funny story. Like when, when Kristen was telling the story of this happening to her, I had a situation like that happen to me where I was with my wife at, uh, we were at a local bar seeing a friend's band. And a guy I know who there was rumors going around that he was possibly starting to go both ways. I'm at a bar. (laughs) We're like standing there at the bar, me and my wife, this guy's wife, who he was like in the midst of starting to have go on the outs with, like he came up behind me and grabbed my ass. And it was like, I was mortified. I was so like Kristen was saying, embarrassed. I was so embarrassed. I was shocked. I was, like what the hell? And I right away I turned to my wife. I'm like, and, and I I just felt my face go white, and she knew something was wrong. And then he did it and again later, it. a few minutes later, and it was like I, I wasn't imagining things. Like oh my god, like this was very weird and awkward. So to, to be a, like a, a female and having that constantly, I, oh, I I can't imagine. Yeah, and I have a photo of, like, me with Harvey Weinstein when I interviewed him, and I was like, holy cow, he's so much bigger. I'm 5'3", and I'm like, he's so overpowering. These women that got trapped in his hotel room, they didn't stand a chance. Like, anyone that managed to get out of that hotel room, holy cow, lucky for them, because there's no way. He's so big. Yeah, Totally. And one thing I want to add to Bates, your thing, is that um, it has happened to probably most men, too. And anyone that touches your body, again, sexual assault, because we've been taught that's just a, oh, that's just a grab or a grope. Um, you know, my husband's like, oh, that has happened to me, too. And I'm like, we need to empower men to be like, wait a minute, this isn't even okay for it to happen to me. And it'd be okay it, to talk about it. And, and it's the same thing, though. I mean, we've been taught that men can't be raped. You know what I mean? Right. Men can't right. be sexually assaulted. I, I'm sure, Bay, in your mind, that it never was like I was just sexually assaulted. It was just he grabbed my ass. What a what an asshole. What a weirdo. You know what I mean? Like it, it, because it's been told that that's not possible. Right. Yeah. yeah. But if you would take you if you had gone to the police station, that falls under the law as sexual assault. And I, I know, I, like, that's what I'm like, I, I am complete, like, I completely understand, like, why we haven't been thinking that, because I was like, oh, someone grabs my boob, it's just, someone groped me, and that was rude. Wow. 
Now, what I do you know. Think it would, it's a lot to wrap your brain. It, it really is. It uh, is. Whole, it really um, is. What about with the Ben Affleck situation? What, what did you think of that? Like, oh, <laughs> this is what happened. Ben Affleck comes out with a statement, and I was like, oh, Ben, that was the dumbest thing ever. Because, first of all, like he's had, he's stepped outside of his marriage many, many times. Um, that is on record, in fact. And I was like, this is just a house of cards for you. Because I knew, I was like, three, two, one. And then all of a sudden, you know, the news comes out about Hillary Burton. And I know another makeup artist has come forward. There's more. I mean, and you have to remember, Ben has had a lot of issues with addiction and things like that. Um, oftentimes, that behavior like that goes hand in hand with it. So um, I was like, eh, you probably shouldn't have said anything. <laughs> yeah, but, I don't know. But you know what? Ben, Ben's going to get a pass because they're going to say it's all going to get blamed on the addiction. It's all going to get right. blamed on the alcoholism. And, and I want to tell you guys something, and I'll say this, that we're live on the air. Nick's favorite person in the whole entire world is Hillary Burton. And I am going <gasps> to beat Ben Affleck's ass if I ever see him. Like, okay, and I love Hillary Burton's husband. In the world, okay. I love Hillary Burton's husband, Jeffrey Dean Morgan. So we can be angry Absolutely. together. So you That's... know what? Don't go see Batman. <laughs> you know, I mean, Absolutely. the only thing you can do is vote with your wallet at this point and just go. You know what? I think I'm good about not seeing a Ben Affleck film, or you know, I don't need to give Harvey Weinstein any money anymore. Um, you know, and that's kind of hard to do because we're not always going to know exactly what projects he worked on. But well, yeah, and, and let's and talk about Justice League. You, you, now you're going to be torn between wanting to support Gal Gadot and not support Ben Affleck. You know what I mean? Like, so it, it's tough. It is a hard situation. Yeah, and we and Gal is incredible in the role of, of Wonder Woman. I don't think Ben is anything spectacular in Batman, but. That's my own opinion. Oh, no. She, 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 yeah. She's a comic, comic <laughs> performance of a lifetime almost. I mean, there's a handful of others that I'll put in the same category of what she did, and, and she was amazing. Yeah, she was incredible. And I just, there's better Batmans out there. We know that. <laughs> <laughs> you know that. I know that. There's been way better Batman. so. Oh, that's funny. For sure. <laughs> Um, I have to leave you guys. I'm so sorry because this has been a super interesting conversation. Yeah. Well. Uh, well. What, what do you got going on for uh, for next week? Are you, besides this, uh, what are you reporting on? I know. Jeez. Uh, I still continue with Dancing with the Stars. I'm just trying to think off the top of my head um, if there's anything major going on. You know, this whole week we've been really just kind of battling with uh, the whole Harvey thing. I feel like nothing else has been going on. It's kind of crazy. One quick answer with the stars question I got for you. Um, sure. Debbie Gibson, was she that bad? No, she wasn't, and I think she went off too early, honestly. I really do. Wow. She was, uh, yeah, sweet, fantastic. I just think she was with a new pro. He doesn't have the same fan base that she does, and I think that's kind of what happened there, unfortunately. That sucks. I know. I love her. I love that. You know, <laughs> She's I love everything cool. she did. Yeah, shame. Alrighty, well, hopefully we'll uh, we'll catch up next week and um, yes. hopefully we're having. I think call. I'm about ninety percent sure I'm in for next week, so um, I just <laughs> have to double check, but I'm pretty sure that's a yes. Cool, very very cool. Okay. Well, great. Talk to you guys next week. All right, take care. Bye.
<coughs> Excuse me. All right, there she goes, Kristen Burt. Check her out all over the world of social media. That's K R I S T Y N B U R T T. That's K R I S T Y N B U R T T. You can find her on Facebook, Twitter, um, Instagram, and Snapchat. Look for her. Check her out. She is always out there. Oh, excuse me. Craziness. It's absolute craziness. You know, I, I am serious when I say that, though. Like, I've had the privilege of running into a couple random celebrities being in Phoenix and with the casinos and stuff. Like, I will be arrested for beating Ben Affleck's ass if I ever see him. <laughs> like, like, I'm, like, this is, listen to me. For the officer listening to this in the future, yes, it was premeditated. Like, there's, I'm not hiding it. Like, like he's, a, he's a dead man. Like, oh. Nick is going to beat Batman. Billy Burton is my favorite person in the whole entire world, okay? I, I, I'm is that the one that the video came out with? Yeah. Now, did you see, like, I saw it came out lit earlier today, um, maybe even like this afternoon or something where she came out and she said like she had no problem with it, but she said it was like whenever her and Ben would be on camera, they were super flirtatious and it was like part of the thing. She said, as soon as the cameras would stop, he was nothing but a gentleman with her and and professional always. Right. That's, it, and it's interesting because, you know, people will say, like, well, well how, if she wasn't happy with it, why didn't she say something? But, like, at the, you got to realize, like, at the time, she wasn't even an actress. She was a BJ right. for MTV. It was, like, her first month job, and she sure. got to interview Ben Affleck, who just won an Academy Award. You know what I mean? Like, she wasn't opening her fucking mouth for anything. You know what no. I mean? Like. Oh, yeah. And we we all know, like, not everybody gets their big break. So I can imagine how many people are like, I'm not going to screw this up. I'm in Hollywood. I don't want to get right. kicked out. I'll, I'll tell you what, too. Like, um, like when I watched that video earlier today, like I, and I had to watch it a couple times. Like, you don't actually see nothing. But, like, just Ben Affleck's whole vibe just, to me, seemed like somebody who was experiencing the fruits of Hollywood and was, you know what I mean? Like the world. Was I think his he came across movie. as his character from Mallrats. That's that's all I'm saying. I, yeah. I think that he came across as a total rat douche who just was like, "Yo, who wouldn't want Ben Affleck all over the?" You know what right, I mean? Yeah, like, exactly. Exactly. I'm sure that when he's fucking around with his homies, his entourage, uh, he is the Ben Affleck. You know what I mean? Like, right. Oh, boy. All right. Well, um, let's take a – we're going to take a commercial break right now, and I'm going to call and get our first guest on the line. I'm going to call and get Erin Dickens ready, uh, get her queued up and all ready to roll. Uh, so uh, before we can take a commercial break, we have uh, – I just got to make sure – everybody's got to know and learn about this guy. He's actually out in Hollywood. I think he might even be on his way back home, back to Jersey. But he's been out in Hollywood the last couple of days shooting some new stuff. And uh, his name is Chris Fraley. Uh, it's F R A L E Y, not Chris Farley. Chris Fraley, and uh, it's Chris Fra- Chris dot com. He's funny. He's wacky. He's <laughs> crazy. He's gonna make you laugh. He does funny shower songs, 
And all that to boot, and he's black man. Check him out. Chris Fraley presents dot com. I'm black man. Saving man's eyes. One stereotype at a time. To the black mobile. To the corner of Martin Luther King Street and Malcolm X Boulevard. Pronto. Will black man make it to the crime on time? Or will he be on CPT? Stay tuned at ChrisFrailyPresents.com. Attention business owners, website owners, event promoters, or anyone looking to promote your product. The Totally Driven Entertainment Radio Network is the perfect way to spread the word of your business around the world. That's right. You can advertise at our network and be played on all of our shows at rates that are so cheap. It's a no-brainer. For more information, contact Bay Ragney at bayragney at gmail.com. To keep your business driven, stay driven with Totally Driven Entertainment. Are you a fan of Sherlock Holmes? Letters from Holmes offers unique, one-of-a-kind letters from the world-famous detective himself. Handwritten on 8.5-inch by 11-inch aged parchment paper and using smudge-free ink to produce original, high-quality letters that fans will treasure for years to come. Each letter is handcrafted and written from the perspective of Sherlock Holmes, mimicking Holmes's native tongue and embracing many of the famous detective's quirks, quips, insults and peculiarities. Order a love letter, birthday greeting, personal correspondence or more only at www.etsy.com forward slash shop forward slash letters from Holmes. For $5 today, you can buy a wealth of things. Gas for your car, rent a movie for the family, a few slices of pizza. $5 still takes you a long ways. But did you know that $5 can buy your child a bag of heroin in the streets? That's right. For only $5, your son or daughter can buy some of the cheapest and purest dope in the country. Be aware of the lies. Be aware of the stealing. Be aware that's all it takes to kill your child. $5. This message was brought to you by Casey's Cause, a group of parents located in southern Chester County out to save your child's life. Come join us today at www.caseyscause.com. And remember, $5 is all it takes. Casey's Cause, www.caseyscause.com. Looking for that perfect gift for your girlfriend? Then look no further than Teddy Scares. Teddy Scares are available in a variety of styles, sizes, and prices for all your shopping needs. Teddy Scares are a mix of cute and creepy to make a great gift for almost any age. Board up your windows, lock your doors, and log on to teddyscares.com. And be sure to become our friends at facebook.com slash teddyscares. Calling all comic book fans. Do you collect comics? Did you ever collect comics? Do you think your children might like reading comic books? Do you even know they still print real, paper, non-digital comic books? Well, then visit the Pirates of Ontario Street Comics in Philadelphia. We have a massive collection of comic books, action figures, trading cards, and much more. We have one of the largest stocks of back-issue comics in the area. We bag and board every new comic book at no extra charge. Our store is voted the best comic book shop in the 2013 PHL 17 Hot List Contest. Part of the movie Unbreakable is filmed in our store. We are open seven days a week. Ontario Street Comics is located at 2235 East Ontario Street in the Port Richmond section of Philly. Our phone number is 215-288-7338. Type in the words Ontario Comics Philadelphia to check out our Wacky Stores page on Facebook. This is Christine Eversole, and you're listening to Totally Driven Radio. 
All right, welcome back to the gym radio. So you guys ready? Nick, you ready? Janetti's been quiet. Is Janetti still there? There's Nick there. Nick muted himself out too. Wow. Look at you guys. Already muted yourself yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, because, man, I talk along with some of the commercials, and <laughs> it's, he like, really... interactive for me. Oh, yeah, man, I, I, the uh, around the world. I say that one every time. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, that is, you know, you know we, we need to, like, have, like, video of you talking to yourself while the commercials are going. That'd be funny. One day when the commercials are on, I'm going to leave my mute thing unmuted. Uh, All right, well, our guest is ready She's waiting patiently Let's get her on here Let's welcome to the show Finally, it's happening Miss Erin Dickens Erin, welcome to Totally Gym Radio Well, thank you so much It's great to be with you, Bay Yeah, you you know, it's funny because um, Erin really caught me off guard Uh, I guess it was about a month ago I'm sitting in my doctor's (laughs) office in uh, right by near Phoenixville area, and uh, <laughs> all of a sudden she starts commenting. And at that point, we really hadn't talked or nothing. She's like, "Are you in Peanutville?" I'm like, "What?" Say, I'm like, you totally <laughs> had me lost and confused. <laughs> well, Peanutville—that's a good name for Phoenixville, don't you think? I, you know what? I like Peanutville better. I truly do. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> so. so now, you have a house out in that area, you were saying? We do. Actually, my husband has a 200-year-old farmhouse right on Egypt Road, and I saw you were in Phoenixville. I was like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> and that's right where I was. I was right on – I think that's Egypt Road right there. I was, like, literally right off of um, – right off 422, right by the Oaks Convention Center. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Too funny, right? That's wild. That happened that to is- me once before. I did an interview with um, – uh, all about jazz, which is a real big jazz website. Um, okay. And a reviewer had called, um, this is my last CD several years ago. And he had called and he said, you know, I'd love to do an interview with you. Let's set up a time. And we started chatting before, you know, we, the tape started going. And he said, where are you from? And I said, Phoenixville. He said, get out. <laughs> and he lives right by the hospital. <laughs> no kidding. Wow. Yeah, it's funny, right? That? So. Yeah. That is what All I the never cool people live in Peanutville. Yeah. There yeah. you go. See, I never There you go, man. You picture Aaron being a, you know, founding member of Manhattan Transfer. Uh you're living down in Maryland, it says, and you're thinking, all right, she's like, you know, New York or or Maryland or California or somewhere right, right. around there. Never would have thought right. Peanutville. <laughs> I know, it's just so funny, right? But um yeah, I did I grew up in New York and uh, I have a house down on the eastern shore of Maryland, which I'm I, I'm crazy about. And when my husband and I got married, it's like we both said, "Gee whiz, we we probably shouldn't sell that house. It's kind of nice down there." So, so we we drive back and forth and commute and do the best we can to manage ourselves. Nice. I love it down in Maryland. Yeah. I always love going down there. I do too. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, they call it the land of pleasant living. The land of pleasant living. I'll, I'll tell you what, like, you know, it's weird. Like whenever I cross that border to get into Maryland, it's like, uh, like, like just a, a load is lifted off your shoulders. It just seems so relaxed. I know. Down there. I know. It's like a whole. It's like you go from you know like high pressure to Zombieville. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's too funny. 
Uh, I know. Well, you know, we're all on the Chesapeake. We're eating crabs. We're chilling out by the rivers here. You know, we're we're, we're laid back down here. There you go. There you go. So, drink some beers. Eat some crabs. What more life could you ask for, right? You know, there's nothing better. You know, as I was going through and doing my research, um, speaking of food, like you're, uh, you released a cookbook with a CD, which I think is a phenomenal idea. Yeah, it's you know, it's kind of fun. And, and when you think about it, I mean, really, music and food are kind of very similar in a way. You know, they're they're both creative and improvisational and, you know, um, feel good and they bring people together. And, you know, so I, I kind of don't know really any good musicians who don't totally love to cook. And so I've always been a cook, you know, and when I was back in Manhattan transfer days, we used to cook together every night cause, <laughs> because we were so poor. <laughs> but, um, you know, and we all kind of got into it. And, you know, Tim Hauser, the other um, original founder, has a line of pasta sauces. And I've got a oh, line really? of herbal seasonings. And Gene Pastilli makes an eggplant parmesan that will make you just lay down and die. It's so good. <laughs> wow. So, you know, it's it goes back a long time. And I mean, you know, when you're in your kitchen, you've always got great music going, right? Maybe a glass of wine, mm-hmm. a nice beer, everybody's feeling good. So it's kind of, it made sense. And I wrote um, a recipe and a story for each of the songs on my, this is my last CD. Um, okay. And, uh, you know, I, it, it's kind of fun telling stories, you know, a couple of tales out of school and, <laughs> and uh, some good recipes. So I had a lot of fun doing it. It, it, you know what, that sounds like, it sounds like a lot of fun, like on a creative end, but yeah. w- was it like a stressful project to do? It wasn't so much stressful as, um, I think I was a little blindsided by uh, by the detail and, and by the number of times that I had to go through my very own recipes that I know like the back of my hand until I felt comfortable that I could give um, measurements mm. to people to create it the way I want it to taste. And, um, you know, going through with my publisher, you know, um, short dashes and long dashes and, I, I mean, colons and semicolons and, you know, making it consistent. I'm a right. good writer, but, you know, those kind of things. My God, I don't know how people do, you know, a 500-page cookbook. I mean, you'd want to pull your hair out. <laughs> it's really, it's quite <laughs> an undertaking. Mean. You know, I mean, mine isn't that big. It's a small cookbook. It's based on a CD, you know. So, um, I, you know, when I think about how lucky I am that I'm a musician, you know, a, a CD maybe on the outside takes a year to put together. But people who write books, sometimes it's a 10-year process, you know. Or people who write, you know, like um, screenplays and things like that. It's it, it's really, you know, a, a really lengthy endeavor. And, you know, I kind of am all about the quick gratification so music's good by right. me <laughs> <laughs> now did you you actually like uh you went to school like culinary school and all too to become a chef i well i did i studied um myself at first mostly escoffier and cooking through julia child and um craig claiborne and a few others um and then i studied at the new york restaurant school and i was very busy in the studios then in new york and I told my manager I was going to take a summer off um, to to study full time and maybe the fall, 
and he talked me out of it because we had two restaurants going in New York. And he said, you already know what you need to know. Just go cook in the restaurant so you get your, your timing chops down. And that's what I did. But I studied charcuterie um, for a bit in the New York Restaurant School. And I um, was a member of Les Amis du Vin, studied a bit about wines and stuff. You know, I'm, I'm certainly, you know, not, a, you know, a five-star Cordon Bleu chef. Um, but I've been around it long enough and taught myself really solid French basics, which I think is um, a gift because then you can kind of make anything up after that. You know, if if you kind of know where to start, the rest of it comes along just fine. Yeah, that's it. Like, did you ever like at any point think to yourself, uh, like leaving the music business and following the, you know, the food footsteps of the, the world of culinary? You know, I thought about it, and God bless my manager who said, go cook in the restaurant. <laughs> I said, my God, these people come in at 10 in the morning, and they don't leave until 2 in the morning, and it's constant, you know, overseeing. There's so many things to oversee, and I think for me, um, it, it, the creativity was a different – it was hampered more by – the business around it, you know, if right. I could walk in and just be a chef and say, you know, I need this, 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 and this, and I'm going to cook that. Oh, great. I mean, are you kidding me? I love it. I do it all the time um, still and have, you know, four and five course meals and dinner parties and stuff. But the, the business of owning a restaurant is really intense. And right. so I, you know, I think the music, music is intense too, but in a different way. You know, you, you don't face that every single day exactly the same, you know, right. um, and you're traveling more and you can take days off. Whereas, you know, imagine, you know, if you have a retail store, same thing. You can't take time off. You've got to be there, you know. So, you're basically like trapped. Um, yeah, kind of, sort of, right? I mean, you really have to love it. And hats off to these wonderful chefs and even more hats off to some of the, you know, the like the less four-star types, you know, were running smaller kitchens and who have, you know, not, not a whole bunch of sous chefs and who are really killing themselves, you know, even more so. So, so it makes, it can make people understand why a person like Gordon Ramsay can get so angry so quick. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I read this great book. I can't remember. I, got, I should look up the writer while I'm on the phone with you. Uh, if you're into cuisine, read a book called sous chefs. It is just a blow-by-blow of what it is like to be in a fine dining, top-quality restaurant. Holy cow, it's an eye-opener. It's really great. It was a great book. I devoured it, and it made me ever so happy that I was a singer. (laughs) (laughs) It made you love the music business even more. Even more. And, and, And what's even better is I'm not a drummer. So, you know, when I've got a schlep all over the universe, I have my music and my microphone, and that's it. Like, you know what I mean? I'd be like, son of a bitch. 
I, you know, I don't think so. Um, I, I had a great career going as a studio singer, um, and that was really fun. And I kind of didn't want to be doing ensemble music forever. You know, 30 years later when they were doing, like, their Brazilian stuff and their Chick Corea stuff, I thought, wow, it would really have been fun to be involved in that. But I think I made the right choice for me to be happy, and I think that Tim ended up with um, the right group for him. I mean, it really was entirely his brainchild, and um, I think his dedication and his vision really led everybody along the path, and... um, you know, he knew who to choose. Right. Um, and I'm, I was so grateful for the experience. I mean, it was an incredible experience. And we had this opportunity to kind of explore music because no one was telling us what we couldn't do. It was, you know, it was the 70s and so we could do anything we wanted to. And, you know, we're playing, in, you know, like Central Park opening for John Sebastian and singing Satin Doll, go figure. <laughs> just, we were quirky, you know, to say the least. But um, I, I don't really regret it, and I didn't see those guys for quite a few years because they ended up moving out to L.A., and then Laurel got in that horrible accident, and then Cheryl started, and then. but in later years, we, we started seeing more of each other, and Tim and I got really close again and, and with Gene Pastilli, and, you know, so it's all good. That was much longer answer than you needed. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. it, it just bring the book when you need it, you know. <laughs> now, now going through like you were saying you were, you were doing studio work and all and I, and I was going through like your, the resume of of people you worked with and I mean like iconic names and I'm going through and I was like mind blown I mean people like Bette Midler <laughs> the Talking Heads um, yeah. Yoko Ono yeah. <laughs> I, I mean come on what was Yoko Ono like that was, that was um, interesting I would say, um, you know, she's got a style. The girl's got a style. Um, it wasn't long after John's death, um, and I was booked on that date by. Do you remember Leslie Gore? It's my party. If I if and I'll cry if oh, I yeah. want to. Mm-hmm. Well, her brother Michael Gore is a really good producer, and um, he called me for that date. Um, and it was I and I think two other girl singers, and um, there was no music written out. It was sort of free form and it was just sort of a creative process. And Yoko was there and she was, she was cool. It was very cool. <laughs> D- definitely an experience. Yeah, totally. And yeah. you know, each one's different. Some are very, you know, like um, the Roberta Flack sessions that I did. She wasn't there, you know, producers were there, charts were written. Here's your notes, you know, very straightforward professional. This is what we want. Thank you very much. Great job. Bye-bye. You know, and then other things, you know, were really creative and, um, you know, the artists were there and, you know, so each session was kind of different. Now I picture somebody never knew what you were going to walk into, right? (laughs) I picture somebody like a Greg Allman was there. (sighs) Greg Allman. (laughs) (laughs) I could tell you a few things, but then I'd have to show you. (laughs) (laughs) I went, um, booked on that on, it was not long after Dwayne died and Greg was putting together his first, um, his first tour. And, um, we went out for about, I want to say maybe three months 
um, all over the United States, and it was a phenomenal band. He had Butch Trucks and Dickie Betts and Boyer and Talton were on the band, and we carried wow. strings. We carried like 12 string players. Um, and it was really, I mean, rock and roll at its best. I mean, I just, oh, my God, it was just such a great gig. You know, and it was um, colorful. Colorful is a good word. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we had had a lot of fun, a lot, a lot of fun. Didn't sleep much, but uh, it was great. That's fun. How about uh, Bette Midler? That actually was a, a kind of a good friend of mine. Um, I only sang on one of her records, um, uh, Songs for the New Depression, I think it was called. Um, and But she was coming up in New York. Um, funnily enough, Barry Manilow was her musical director. Okay. And I knew Barry because he used to do radio and television commercials in the studios, and so we were always you know, sort of around at the same time. Melissa Manchester was one of Bette's background singers and would do a lot of dates with Barry. So we all knew each other. And my boyfriend at the time was a drummer and he played in Bette's band. And so we, we hung a bit. We were, we were friends. Um, and she's a great girl, man. She fills the room. She really fills the room. And she's, I was always in such awe of her because of her theater talent, you know. As an actress, I very first saw her on Broadway um, in Fiddler on the Roof. Oh, wow. She, you know, she's really got it. And I'll tell you, I learned from her, she had such nerve in doing ballads live, you know, when she was first starting out. She would just pause and take her time and go into sort of almost like a trance when she did a ballad. And she was so moving. I learned so much from her just watching her do these ballads sort of as an actress to get into the role, to bring the emotion. Very hip. Very, very hip. That's wild. Now, when you were mentioning um, uh, Barry Manilow, like (laughs) whenever you you see a a Barry Manilow, do you you just like have to start singing Copacabana? I mean, that's what I would do. No. (laughs) No, I don't. (laughs) In your head, you're not singing it? No, I don't sing. Oh, I don't. I don't know, you know, gosh. I, I mean, I don't really sing Manilow songs. <laughs> Just, you know, not my, not my thing. He's an extraordinarily gifted arranger, pianist, producer, the whole bit. But his style was never, you know, musically my bag. Big respect, big respect. But not something I would put on, you know, at home necessarily. That's funny. I'll tell yeah. you what. Here, here, I mean, it's just different style, right? You know, more cabaret kind of thing, right? As a as a kid, uh, I probably I guess it was like around nineteen seventy nine. I guess the album came out seventy eight, seventy nine, maybe. Even now, right? The album, and that came out like as a kid. I I had that album, and I used to listen to that. <laughs> well, that was cool. only. I mean, that, that was that iconic. Was yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that that was pretty cool. Well, and he just rocketed himself into, you know, I mean, just into stardom. What a talent, man. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and a good guy. So, enough about really all that. Let's guy. talk about you. Let's let's talk about vignettes. Uh, what? You'd never ask? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, as I was going through today, and I'm, like, scrolling through your pictures to see what I can get out of your pictures, like – 
Now, has this album been done since, like, earlier this year? Because I was seeing pictures of the album going back to, like, I think it was, like, March. Yes, because in March, I did a European tour, and we did um, a release in London because I had a lot of dates, you know, kind of all around there. And I had it ready, but I wasn't ready to release it in the United States because I was working with a new manager and changing labels, and I just thought, you know what? Let's just sit tight here for the U.S. until the, the players are, are in place. And so we did um, a really fun release in London, and I did a um, party at the 606 Club, which is a really great jazz room. And, mm-hmm. um, and that was great fun, you know. So, and, you know, my manager's like, just stop, just stop, just wait. We're going to be do this in October. <laughs> so I've been kind of, you know, chewing my fingernails, like just, you know, chomping at the bit to get this out because, it's my favorite thing I've ever done. And so, you know, I'm really excited that we're finally getting to it. Yeah. I was going to say, like, I'd, I'd be going crazy. Like if I was sitting on this for like six oh. months, I'd be losing my mind. Oh, totally. Totally. I mean, it's just, you know, and, and so what I try to do is I try not to listen to it too much because six months goes by. If you listen to it every day, then it's not so fresh. And here I am, releasing it so i listened um yesterday morning when i was driving down from peanutville to maryland and i <laughs> sang along and i was like wow it's really good i really like it I'm so, <laughs> so it was big excitement you know now, now is that something you do a lot like do you listen to your, your your own music a lot no but i do all my practicing in the car and um, huh? so, like, I've got a bunch of gigs coming up, and I've got a big, um, like, a celebration concert in L.A. on November 5th at Vitello's, this wonderful jazz room. And so I find the car is, first I do all my warm-ups, then I work, I sing along to the songs that I'm going to be performing, um, doing, doing them as exercises, you know, singing okay. harmonies and higher and lower parts and just to open up my voice. And it, you know, it helps refresh you on lyrics and phrasing and things. And then, you know, after I do that a bit, then I have to go to the piano and get serious. <laughs> ah, so the car is the warm up, and then you finally take it inside yeah. to the piano. Yeah, when I take it to the piano, it's the most boring part, but it's the most, um, I think, effective part, which is I sing everything really, really slowly, and I sound each note with the piano and sing along one note at a time, you know, da, 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 and I hit the notes on the piano very slowly, hold them out very long to practice breathing and, you know, to make the purest sound and the most perfect pitch and the... You know, so it's boring, but boy, it helps. You know what, though? I bet you it sounds amazing now. Not so much when you're doing it. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but, you know, because you're pushing yourself to do things, you know, that are too long. You know, I, I sing until I run out of breath kind of thing. Okay. So it gets shaky at the end. But that's the point, is to push the envelope and push the envelope and try to maintain, you know, really excellent pitch and excellent sound um, creation and excellent steadiness of volume. And, you know, so um, it can sound pretty bad. (laughs) Now, this is the first album that you actually produced, your first self-produced album? Yeah. Yeah. Terrifying and empowering all at the same time. (laughs) You know, it's... uh, 
There's nobody to tell you what you can't do. And at the same time, there's nobody to tell you if you're doing it good or you're not. So, you know, if you're at all neurotic, <laughs> oh, <laughs> you can you can really get yourself in some trouble. But, I mean, it really made me I, – I worked harder on this than anything I've ever worked on um, because, I, you know, I, I didn't have the, su- the support of people saying, you know, I don't really like that song or I don't think you really should – sing it that way or maybe you should try this and so I had to really dig deep to ascertain if I was on the right path with different vocals and things you know so it was a good experience yeah now is that something you would do uh, more in the future I would Um, I love having a good producer It's, it's a great joy I think one thing that I would do forever always in the future would be to record my vocals in my own studio like I did for this record. Okay. Um, and maybe not necessarily have a producer other than to bounce ideas off of for that section because it gave me the freedom to try things and not have an engineer and a producer and an assistant engineer and in the studio and 300 bucks an hour and I got to get this done and we got to do two songs tonight. So I could really you know, take the time to develop the character of each singer, sort of of each story. And um, boy, is that a luxury. That's really a luxury. You know, as a studio singer, you know, you get in and out, man, you do it perfect, what they want. And that's that. And you don't really think about it that much. Um, But so, boy, this was a groove. It was really a groove. So so what made you do uh, the producing yourself this time? Um, I wanted to do, um, I wanted to work with all these wonderful musicians who, whom I've known all the years and, um, I couldn't, it wouldn't be a project that would necessarily appeal to a producer because each song, I mean, I, I called it vignettes because each song is a vignette. It's, it's, a, a you know, a, um, a collaboration with one guy and, I wanted the musician's voice to be as important as mine, so we created sort of a new um, voice together, and each style is completely different. And um, we recorded in Honolulu and in Austin, Texas, and in Nashville and London and um, Miami, New York. (laughs) It was just crazy. Um, So you'd be hard-pressed to find a producer who'd be willing to do that dog and pony show, you know? And it also enabled me, I knew that if I called these musicians, I mean, who are so talented, that nobody would leave the room until the track was phenomenal. So I didn't have to really be a genius producer right there. I just had to listen and come up with ideas and, you know, collaborate. Um, And then, you know, I had to trust myself on my my vocals and I, I made sure that the engineers at each studio did, didn't do any kind of an imprint, no effects, no compression, no anything, just a clean line, um, pure instrument. And I did the same with my voice, and we sent everything off to London to a wonderful mixing engineer named Wes Mabe. And then Wes colored it so that it all had um, the same vibe sonically. So it tied it together. It sounds amazing. It really does. It was pretty cool. 
It was pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, now it actually, out, it actually comes in now officially uh, next week, October 20th. Yep. So it'll be finally yep. available here in the States. Um, is there going to be like any uh, video or anything like that? Are you going to go that route with anything or? I'm working on a couple of things right now. I don't think they'll be ready by then um, because my favorite videographer in the world just had a baby, so she's on Slogo. Um, but um, I'll probably will have two coming out in the next few months. Um, oh, nice. And we're already up on Amazon and iTunes and, you know, the usual haunts, my own website or CD Baby. Um, and so it, it's available now. Um, and then we're going to do... Uh, a long weekend in LA, just kind of, you know, having a big time, um, singing some and doing some television and radio and stuff. Uh, cool. And then we'll we'll look to um, probably starting in the spring, um, doing some more dates in Europe and just kind of marching along, you know. Yeah, I was saying like you you spent a lot of time over in Europe. I was like, wow, that must be amazing. Yeah, not a hardship. <laughs> 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 oh, that's great. So, Not so what's the place? Uh, Europe or Peanutville? What's it? Oh, Europe or Peanutville? I like them both, you know, but <laughs> Europe is, I mean, Europe is just lovely and they, they love jazz so much and support jazz and the musicians are great and I've made some good friends now. And um, so when I go over, you know, I, I usually go to Holland and Germany and the UK and I've got you know, an agent over there and cats I like to play with. And so, it, you know, it's great fun. And then my husband comes kind of when he can, usually at the end of a stint, you know, so he'll come for the last night and then we'll stay a couple of days and hang. You know, it's, it's great fun. Nice. Yeah, make like a little vacation. Yeah. Working yeah. vacation. Yeah. Yeah. Very nice. <laughs> cool. So, all right, so everybody can go to the website. They can go to erindickensmusic.com. And they can get it there, right? Or they can go to Amazon, yep. Um, yep. CD Baby. Uh, I would imagine iTunes. iTunes for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Said, and if you go, if you go to um, to my website, um, even if you have bought it on Amazon or on iTunes, there is um, right on the home page. Um, there's um, a link that you can click. There's a picture. Of, it says click here for the digital booklet, and you can download a, a wonderful um, uh, booklet that tells about each song and each musician and where we recorded and a little oh, bit nice. about them. And so it's kind of fun. So I would say even, you know, if you buy it on Amazon or CD Baby or wherever you buy it, do buzz by the website and uh, download the booklet for free. Yeah, like those things are so important with music. Cause I mean, that that's kind of like the the whole vinyl feel, where you can actually like sit there with the vinyl album and read the things and look at the pictures a lot more clearer than a little like CD booklet. I know. I you know, I'm so glad vinyl's coming back. I really missed that. I mean, I when I was growing up, you sure you did the same thing. I you know, I wore the grooves out on my records. And I would mm-hmm. sit holding the, the covers and the sleeves and I would read it over and over again and look at the yep. pictures. It was so cool, you know. So yeah. nice to see vinyls making a little resurgence. It's huge in Europe, uh, you know. And I right, can imagine. And here, too, you know, there's, to get into to disc makers to do a vinyl pressing, it's a 90-day wait after you can deliver 
uh, a master to them. It's a 90-day wait to get on the presses. Isn't that wild? It, it, you know what? I, I hear the complaint a lot. It, I hear the complaint that it takes a long time now to do it, surprisingly, and it's very expensive. Oh, it's terrible. Yeah. It's terrible. Crazy. But, you know, you can charge more for them, um, you know, so you can cover your costs. And, frankly, in Europe, an awful lot of people never even open the album. Um, they keep it, you know, as a collector's item, and right. you give them um, a digital download code that then they can go download the waveforms and listen. Um, but a lot, of, a lot of guys never, they don't even open the cover. It's wild. Yes, like it's it's kind of become like um, like I I would be the same way because it it's like art now, you know what I mean? Like I would yeah. like to have it and then have you or whoever the artist may be like sign it and then frame it and hang it and then yeah that digital download yeah. and plug it into my computer and I'm good to go. Yeah, because I mean that's what we do anyway now. You know, you, you how much time do you have to sit with a turntable? You don't. You just don't. No. You know so. My playlists are all three hours long because I'm so ADD. <laughs> the music could <laughs> be off, you know, right? You know, so. Oh, um, but it's nice it's coming back. It's really nice it's coming back. And that's why when I, I did the digital booklet for iTunes, because iTunes will allow you to upload one. Um, and so I knew I wanted to have that. And then I thought, it's crazy that people can't get this booklet if they buy the CD. Um, and I have them printed that, you know, I give – um, to certain people, you know, concerts or mm-hmm. something, but it's nice to have. Absolutely, that's wild. Yeah. Well, this is this has been uh, very cool catching up finally. You too. I mean, now I'm, I hope I'm going to run into you at some time in Phoenixville. <laughs> uh, you know, I tell you what, like uh, it's it's rare that I go there. It was um, a, a rare doctor thing. Uh, a reason I went there, and I was supposed to actually go back in December, but I think I'm going to cancel it. I, I don't know. But I'm not that far. <laughs> I, I'm not, you know, I'm no, not that far either way. Either way. Probably 45 minutes yeah. in either direction. Yeah. So, well, then better yet, come down to Maryland and have some crabs next summer. Uh, there you go. I'm in. There you go. That'd <laughs> be more fun, right? Me. Absolutely. <laughs> crabs, beer, hello. I'm in. <laughs> Sign me up. <laughs> I know, right? Oh, uh, that's awesome. Yeah, cool. Well, you know, have fun out in uh, California in a couple of weeks with the premiere and uh, the, at the, the party and all, and knock them dead. Oh, thank you. And thanks so much for talking to me. And now, did um, did my peeps send you hard copies of stuff? Uh, maybe when we're off air, I, I, I need to get you a hard copy so that you can, you know, have a CD too. Oh, I got it. Okay, good, good, good. Okay, good. I got I didn't it. Harlan's know if he sent it out or not. Yeah. Oh, he sent it, yeah. Harlan it is like the best. Two, like two weeks I've had it now. Yeah, Harlan's the man. Shout out to Harlan Bowl. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Love Harlan. He's the best. You know, it's, it's funny. No, he's I think, he's I, the greatest. I think what? I was telling my co-host, who's very quiet uh, over there, he's got himself muted, but like out of all the PR people I deal with, like everything is email. Harlan is the only right. one that actually will pick up a phone and call you. I know. I know. He's really special, and he's really bright, and he really knows who to – like, everybody he sent me to talk to is so cool. <laughs> and so, you know, it's, it's so greatly appreciated, you know, because he kind of gets 
you know, who you are and what you enjoy, and he puts it all together. He's really the bomb. He is. That's awesome. Shout out to Harlan. Shout out to Harlan. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Aaron, thank you so much again, and look forward to uh, talking to you again in the future, and lots of luck with Vignettes. It's a beautiful album. Thank you so much, Bay. It was really, really fun talking to you. Thanks. You too. Okay, hon. Bye. Bye. All right, there she goes. Erin Dickens. Here we Check go. her out. There we go. ErinDickensMusic.com. Go to the website. Get the music. Also, too, you get that cookbook, too. Cook up some Erin food while listening to her music. Drink some wine. Winning combination. There you go. How about that? <laughs> so... And there you go. There you go. Thank you, sir. Take care. You're fun to talk to. I love your laugh. It's very infectious. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. Um, So let me know when you do this or air this or whatever you end up doing. Um, Well, well, actually, we're only doing it live. And the, the link for the show, it can be used for replay. And then at Great. some point, uh, in, probably in the next 24 to 48 hours, it'll be up on YouTube as well. So you'll be uh, Great. out there Great. And multiple I'll times. Do my, do my thing, do my Facebook thing. Absolutely. Great. All right, my cool. friend. All right. Thanks, Aaron. Okay. Talk soon. Take care. Bye. Okay, bye. All right, there she goes. Again, Aaron Dickens. Super cool. I love that whole idea with a cookbook and a CD album. Right. I mean, when I was reading that, I was like, that's, that's such a brilliant idea because it really does go together. It is. It, it is. It's interesting. I, I would just need somebody to do the cooking for me. I'm stressful mm. to cook anymore. Nice glass of wine, good food, good music. There you go. So, all right, so uh, let me uh, run through my thing right here real quick. Something to talk about, because there was something I, I, I wanted to... Uh, you know, one thing I'm really freaking pissed off about, um, I'm in Facebook jail, which is driving me nuts. Why are you in Facebook jail? All right, so Janetti, you didn't hear this. I don't know if Nick knew this either. Um, uh, yeah, I heard it. Yeah, as as of... 3.49 tomorrow, my one week being in Facebook jail will be up, and I will be released. Um, yeah. Yeah. Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Before, you, before you go out beasting tomorrow at 3.50, uh, realize that I hope, I've had friends that, that will go on and they be suspended. They get out and they fucking post, 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 post. They get suspended again. I I. I'm totally expecting that. I am totally. Yeah. Ex- I'm so pissed off about this. 
Um, because I posted in my own group, and they suspended me. Yeah, that's crazy that it was, yeah. Like somehow they can't figure out that it's your group. Right. And, you know, you have the option to appeal it and send an email to them, which I did. And, of course, I've gotten no response. And I've – every time now I go in a group, a, a thing pops up and says that you are, are blocked from posting in groups. Until, and it tells you until Friday, 3.49 p.m. Um, and, and it says, you know, if you want to dispute this, click here. And I every time I click here. But I can't even – comment on anything in a group. (laughs) It really is ridiculous. It is. is The problem being is that Facebook is under so much scrutiny right now for um, ads that they had during the 2016 election that were supposedly brought on by Russia and their Facebook uh, postings and in groups that were meant to destroy Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump, whoever they were meant to destroy, you know? And so Facebook right now is under so much scrutiny. I think they're just picking out random shit. And if it's close to political, they're just suspending people left and right. So. Now I don't post nothing political. I, I understand that, but what I'm saying, well, I don't know what the post is about either. What was the post? It was about? a post. Um, it was it was something from the website. It was a, like a probably a musical related post. Yeah. What was the news piece about? Off of my website. Yeah, music, music off of the website. Oh, okay. I, I'm just saying. I mean, I I don't know. I I know they are under scrutiny right now for, you know, for shit that they did, and they're getting a lot of heat for it. That I understand, but the fact that they don't have they should have a customer service line. That's the part yeah. that really was pissing me off. Well, that's that's the problem with millennials. Is millennials do shit and they don't care about it. Yeah. You're like, yeah, fuck him. Uh, Pretty much. Yeah, right? I don't care if it's his fault. You'd lose your mind if somebody was on the other side doing that to you. We don't care, man. That's the thing. They they, they just don't care. They don't. I found it offensive. I don't like the band. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you know, it, that's what it was. Probably somebody, and that's what I was wondering too. Like, I, somebody probably reported me for posting. Yeah, I'm sure it is. See, that's probably what it was. Because they're not going to go out and and look at shit on their own. They're really not. Right. So there was some, whoever whoever you know is, is probably pissed at you this week. Yeah, just send them an email saying, "Hey, I found this offensive." It's like I, I got an email like two days ago from Google about uh, you know the web about the website um, about a post on the website that a picture was considered too sexual 
to be um, on the website and monetized. So I needed to either delete the picture or take the Google ad off of that page. The fucking picture was from 2012. Like, really? Like, five years later, you're coming to me now? Was it too sexual? Like, what? What was it of? It was a Driven Darlings picture. It was nothing, you know, probably no it's like somebody well, yeah. in a bathing suit or something. Damn. Yeah. Crazy. I don't know. I, I, just, I, I find it entertaining that in this day it's and age, they'll do that. Happening to you. They'll, they'll, they'll get rid of that. They'll get rid of something that they find that's too sexual. And there's really nothing that you've ever put up that's too sexual. No. The bikini, some of the bikini shots and, you know, anything like that that you can see. You can turn on any television station right now and see the same kind of shit. Exactly. You know? And, hey, I, I got a better idea. They got it from Google Images. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. How about that? <laughs> That's the truth. I'd email him back and tell him, it came from your website, asshole. <laughs> the absolute fucking truth. You're making money on it, moron. What the hell do you care? Uh, somebody help me. The world's going to blow up. world is going to blow up. Too funny. Uh, so anything and it's not going to be anything else but stupidity. <laughs> There's a stupid bubble that's like living over top of us and it's going to blow one day. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, new shows started back this week are our superhero shows. Uh, have you, have you guys watched them? I know, I'm pretty sure Nick has. Jeanette, have you ever seen any of them? No. I'm still working oh. on the shit from last year. Oh. Yeah, man. I mean, I'm, I might have to resign with the show being on Thursdays. <laughs> like, this Dude, isn't like, working for me. Like, <laughs> Why did you move Arrow to Thursday? I loved I when it was one every day of the week. It was perfect. Yeah. Actually, it was perfect last season when they moved Legends to Tuesday. So it was Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. It was perfect. Yeah. They could have put so Supergirl on Thursday. Can I tell you guys real quick, though? Speaking of superheroes, I want to tell you about the superhero that I'm meeting right now. It is a little <laughs> green pepper. And inside it is stuffed with cheese and prosciutto. Ooh. And it's the most delicious thing I've ever had in my whole fucking life. <laughs> <laughs> they had two different kinds. They had those long banana pepper, yellow ones stuffed with Ooh, prosciutto yeah. and cheese, and then they had these round ones. The round ones are just a little bit spicy. and yeah, They're uh, pepper shooters. I love them. Oh, they're awesome. They're like oily and vinegary yes. and... Oh. Pepper shooters, yeah, man. Yeah. 
That'll help you shit, man. That's the real That'll superhero. Clear you out. <laughs> <laughs> That'll help clear you out. <laughs> oh, oh, man. man. Too funny. Uh, yeah, man, I'm caught up on uh, Flash Legends and Supergirl, Gotham, The Gifted, Inhumans, and I'm caught up on them all. <laughs> like, all right, what, either what, of you watching Lucifer? No, I, I stopped watching Lucifer last season. Yeah, why? Um, you know what it was? Well, I just I, got done. I just got done with last season, so I was I was pretty. It was all right. It was all right. I was I, I was getting sick and tired of trying to figure out what the deal was between him and the cop. Like, yeah, they I, explained I just, it at the know. end of the season. They explained they? it at the end of the yeah, yeah. She was a she was. Actually, the the black guy who's his brother, <laughs> a minute deal, uh, was sent to bless uh, the detective's mother and father because they couldn't have a child. And basically, he was put in the path, or she was put in his path by God, is what they said. So Now, I think that he, what's his name, Tom Ellis? I think he's terrific at his job. Absolutely, he he is he is very very good. I think he's hilarious too. I do too. Without a doubt, despite the fact that I'm not watching it, I can guarantee you that he's every week he's delivering. And and Tom Welling joined the show this year, so that is cool though. Yeah. Tom Welling back in the DC universe. Yeah. Surprised it wasn't in Supergirl. I, you know, that really did surprise me that they didn't find something for him in there. Yeah. There's still time. Oh, I'm sure. It'd be funny to see a crossover between Lucifer and Flash. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's funny because I don't know if you guys know this or not, but Stephen Amell has been pushing for a crossover with Arrow and Supernatural for like two seasons now. <laughs> I heard I heard something about that. Uh, I think it was a few months ago. They put up some kind of post that he he wants a crossover with them real bad. He was at some comic con saying it. He's like uh, best friends with one of the guys that plays the brothers. They have this YouTube show where it's like frat guys who go to vineyards and drink wine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, oh, which ones are you caught up on? Uh, let's see. I actually I, I saw Supergirl today. I haven't watched season two yet, but I like I, since I couldn't find it online or anywhere, I'm just like, fuck it. I'm just gonna watch and I'll catch up to season two at some point. Um, so I saw Supergirl today. Um, uh, Flash Legends. Yeah, I, I'm all good except for tonight's shows. All right, I will say this about season two. The one thing that you're missing, man, is Superman. Yeah. <laughs> like, he, oh, I, I, I think he does a really good job. Um, But I, I, I don't know about you, but, like, every week, dude, Mr. Rory turns it on. Like, he, there's never a bad week with him on Legends. Heat Wave. Mr. Rory. Mr. Rory, that's what uh, the old guy calls him, Mr. Rory. 
<laughs> Dude, that's a, I, I sent you that message the other night when it was on. I said, line of the night. <laughs> line of the night. I hate your salads. When he said to Julius <laughs> I was fucking hysterical. Yeah, that dude, I mean, he actually, I mean, it's become the Rory show. It really has. He took a throwaway character and turned it into something. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah. I really enjoy that, and I really enjoy the relationship between Steel and the Atom, how they're just like nerd bros for each other. (laughs) Yeah, I thought Legends was great. Also, this year, uh, Constantine is joining Legends for three episodes, they said, coming. Love it. Yeah. How awesome is that? Even though the show was canceled, they keep bringing him back. Well, the fans want it. I don't understand why they can't bring the show. If if they're if they're that interested in bringing him, <laughs> why wouldn't they do you know a Constantine right. show? They know it could do better. Right, he was on Arrow. He's going to be on Legends. They're giving him an animated Constantine thing for CWC. Why not? Yes, obviously people are fans. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I mean, it could show it, that. Show, they could do they could do an hour or a two hour block of Constantine Supernatural, and it just yeah. the same people watching fucking Supernatural would watch Constantine. Absolutely. So I I don't understand it. I really don't. Matt Ryan is awesome at that. I, I, Nick, I want to know what did you think of the first uh, episode of Flash. I mean, it was fine. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, like I can't tell you anything that was specifically wrong with it. I just, it was the episode to set up everything else. That's, you know what I mean? Like, they had to deal with Barry's situation. They had to deal with who's the new villain. They, you know what I'm saying? Like, it was fine. The Samoroids made an appearance. That was pretty cool. Uh, they don't have that balding kid from uh, Harry Potter on there anymore. I like that. Um, it, it was just fine. It was, I mean, it, it was a little lacking in explanation, but other than that, I think it was it, it, it's cool. Yeah, see, I, I thought it was just a very hokey too. The the whole like. Uh, thing. Yeah, he's all like lost in his mind and all that stuff, and all of a sudden it's just boom, he goes and saves Iris, and, and it was just like it, it just—it's it, funny because we were sitting there watching it, and um, my niece came over, and it was actually the first time my niece came to my house in in many years, and she was hanging out with us, and she doesn't watch the show, and so she was sitting there watching it with us, and, and she just like at the end of it, she just turned to me and my daughter, and she's like. That was really cheesy. <laughs> we were just like, uh, yeah, yeah, it was. I mean, I guess the only defense is that, like, so are the comics. Yeah, I guess. She wouldn't, she wouldn't read it. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like, not every, not every storyline is going to be, you know, Crisis on Earth X. <laughs> like, <laughs> right, right. 
I, I just I mean, thought it was, was going to be. Um, I thought they were going to drag the whole thing with Barry out a little longer. See, I don't mind that they brought him without giving too much away for Jimmy here, but I think Jimmy probably knew that they were going to bring Barry back. I didn't know that he oh. died. So either way. <laughs> he didn't die. He went into the speed force. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I remember that. But he did it again, I guess. But well, they brought him back using a tennis ball. Like There was no explanation. <laughs> like... <laughs> They were like, this tennis ball is going to take his place in the speed force. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Well, you know what? Honestly, it's a, a lot of shows, a lot of shows are doing that. They're like, well, let's try to figure out. Uh, I'll just screw it. They'll take it with a grain of salt. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> no. And the the thing is, when it comes to a show like Legends, I can totally accept that. But not the Flash. Like the, the, the writing's been better than that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, did you guys hear that the guy that plays uh, Professor Stein is leaving this season, and uh, they don't know what's going to happen with Firestorm? Yeah, I'm kind of bummed out about that. I, he's actually a pretty good member of the cast. I yeah, you wouldn't think like the old guy would be too popular in the comic book, but uh, he's a good character. Yeah, and I mean the way they started the season out, I just, like I, I had a feeling that was going to go that route, and then I guess the news came out was it today or yesterday that he was leaving. Let me ask you this though, like Rip Hunter, he like he's a jerk off, right? Like, he brought them in, lied to them, had them, you know, do stuff to basically help his family. Then they took on Vandal Savage. Then they took on the Legion of Doom. And the whole time he's been like, despite the fact that he recruited them, he's been like, you're not good enough. You you know what? His character sucks. I was just thinking it's uh, it, it's um uh, it's business. <laughs> it's the world of business. It is. I also the only thing with legends is it I mean, it's kinda of ridiculous to think that Sarah would be working at like Bed Bath and Beyond if she wasn't on the Wave Rider. Like, she wouldn't be with any of the members of the league. She wouldn't be back helping Oliver. She would, You know what I'm saying? Like, get the hell out of here. Yeah, although that was funny. It was funny. And that's what I, you know, that's why we kind of let it slide on Legends because they played kind of fast and loose with it. But, I mean, in reality, she'd have been hanging out with uh, Black Siren. You never know. I mean, it, you can't. You can meet more ladies at Bed Bath and Beyond than you can in the Arrow Cave. So she was back to dating men in this episode. Oh really? Oh wow. Okay. Well then, there, there you go. So she'd really be back in the Arrow Cave. There's a lot of them in there. <laughs> you know, that's that's the thing. Like, 
as that was like that whole situation, like as I'm watching that the other night on Legends with, you know, they're basically fired from being Legends. And, uh, you know, they're all going back into the real world and trying to figure out their lives. Uh, it's it's something we kind of talked about. Like, what would, um, you know, what do pro athletes do? What do professional wrestlers do? What do uh, musicians do? What do actors and actresses do when their, their career has run its course? You know what I mean? Like, where do they turn to next? <laughs> and just like, well, do you go? Do you actually picture them in Bed Bath and Beyond? And the sad part is that that, that becomes an alternative. No, I, I, honestly, I don't. I don't believe that at all. And I'll tell you why. Okay, you want to you want to get geeky in here? We'll get geeky. Okay, there are so many billionaires in comic books that they're like a, a lot of these guys. They don't have any way of making any other money. You know what I mean? Like I, so I, I like to think that there's a superhero retirement fund that was set up by um, Black Panther, set up by Reed Richards, set up by Tony Stark, all these billionaires that are super, super, super rich can afford to give a retired, you know, wildcat $30,000 a year so he doesn't have to work at Target. Now, which part of of that situation sounds more appealing uh to being a quote unquote say Bruce Bruce Wayne um the billionaire part or the superhero part. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I mean you're telling me that the X Men don't make any money outside you know what I'm saying? Like there's no way Beast would be able to survive. He's blue and furry. <laughs> you know what I'm like <laughs> Right. Some of these guys must be getting a pension from Shield or something. That's all I'm saying. Hey, you know, Peter Parker had to go work as a photographer to make ends meet. That you you are right. And the new CW show, um, Black Lightning, that's coming out. This guy was a uh, vigilante, and then he retired, and he became the principal of a high school. Like that's <laughs> he's kind of an older guy in this series, so yeah, I mean they I guess they kind of addressed that. He went from being a vigilante to having two teenage kids. Mm. Interesting. I also imagine like supernatural. Some of them just have a natural way of getting money. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like. I, I doubt Scarlet Witch has a problem buying anything at any time, anywhere. Mm-hmm. She just go into your mind and, you know what I mean? Yeah. Superman has like 57,000 years of knowledge or something that he learned in the Fortress of Solitude. You're telling me that the dude doesn't have investments in the stock market? Uh, too funny. I bet All he right, well, doesn't own one share of Wayne Corps. <laughs> All right, well, let's let's do this. Let's uh, take another commercial break. Nick, would you like? Are you going to meet yourself out? Or are you going to sing along with the commercials? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, all right, let, let, let's take a commercial break, and I'm going to get Loretta Swit on the phone, and uh, we're going to come back on the flip side, and we're going to be talking on the hot lips. Jeanette, are you ready? I think so. Okay. We'll be back in a few minutes. And, and, and don't forget, ChrisFrailyPresents.com. Check them out. He's just going to make you laugh. And coming soon is the new shower song of the week. Be ready. But for the time being, look at the old ones. ChrisFrailyPresents.com. Hi, black man. Saving man's eyes. One stereotype at a time. To the black mobile. To the corner of Martin Luther King Street and Malcolm X Boulevard. Pronto. Will black man make it to the crime on time? Or will he be on CPT? Stay tuned at ChrisFrailyPresents.com. Attention business owners, website owners, event promoters, or anyone looking to promote your product. The Totally Driven Entertainment Radio Network is the perfect way to spread the word of your business around the world. That's right. You can advertise at our network and be played on all of our shows at rates that are so cheap. It's a no-brainer. For more information, contact Bay Ragney at bayragney at gmail.com. To keep your business driven, stay driven with Totally Driven Entertainment. Are you a fan of Sherlock Holmes? Letters from Holmes offers unique, one-of-a-kind letters from the world-famous detective himself. Handwritten on 8.5-inch by 11-inch aged parchment paper and using smudge-free ink to produce original, high-quality letters that fans will treasure for years to come. Each letter is handcrafted and written from the perspective of Sherlock Holmes, mimicking Holmes's native tongue and embracing many of the famous detective's quirks, quips, insults and peculiarities. Order a love letter, birthday greeting, personal correspondence or more only at www.etsy.com forward slash shop forward slash letters from homes. For $5 today, you can buy a wealth of things. Gas for your car, rent a movie for the family, a few slices of pizza. $5 still takes you a long ways. Did you know that $5 can buy your child a bag of heroin in the streets? That's right. For only $5, your son or daughter can buy some of the cheapest and purest dope in the country. Be aware of the lies. Be aware of the stealing. Be aware that's all it takes to kill your child. $5. This message was brought to you by Casey's Cause, a group of parents located in southern Chester County out to save your child's life. Come join us today at www.caseyscause.com. And remember, $5 is all it takes. Casey's Cause, www.caseyscause.com. Looking for that perfect gift for your cool friend? Then look no further than Teddy Scares. Teddy Scares are available in a variety of styles, sizes, and prices for all your shopping needs. Teddy Scares are a mix of cute and creepy to make a great gift for almost any age. Board up your windows, lock your doors, and log on to teddyscares.com. And be sure to become our friends at facebook.com slash teddyscares. Calling all comic book fans. Do you collect comics? Did you ever collect comics? Do you think your children might like reading comic books? Do you even know they still print real, paper, non-digital comic books? Well, then visit the Pirates of Ontario Street Comics in Philadelphia. We have a massive collection of comic books, action figures, trading cards, and much more. We have one of the largest stocks of back-issue comics in the area. We bag and board every new comic book at no extra charge. Our store is voted the best comic book shop in the 2013 PHL 17 Hot List Contest. Part of the movie Unbreakable is filmed in our store. We are open seven days a week. 
Ontario Street Comics is located at 2235 East Ontario Street in the Port Richmond section of Philly. Our phone number is 215-288-7338. Type in the words Ontario Comics Philadelphia to check out our Wacky Stores page on Facebook. This is Cindy Williams, and you are listening to Totally Driven Radio. All right, welcome back to the Gym Radio. We are live, and it's time for our next guest. She's waiting patiently. Let's get her right on here. Let's welcome to the show. And she truly is the, the one and only, the Miss Loretta Swift. Loretta, how you doing this evening? Hello. Hello, hello. <laughs> hello, hello. How are you? Can you hear me now? I'm terrific. Thank you. I just, uh, I'm sorry, I miscalculated some of the time. I just finished a fundraiser for you know oh, okay. what I do, which is for animals. I'm a, an activist, and we just raised a lot of money for one of my charities. So All I'm right. very happy to talk to you. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> very happy. <laughs> you, you know, it's it's like uh, when we get to do these interviews with people like yourself, and you know, of course, we know you from being uh, Hot Lips and Mash and everything, but we yes. don't know like the, the whole other side of you where you're doing like what you're doing now the charity work and and the book you mm-hmm. have out now like you learn a yeah. whole new side of it well it's not a new but it's a whole different side that people i think might be interested in a- absolutely now you have this this book that came out earlier this year that's out now mm-hmm. um, it's Whitheart. um yes now, where did that name come from Say again? The, the name Sweetheart. Where, where did that yes. come from? I actually, <laughs> I wish I could take credit for it because I think it's very clever. Uh, um, a friend of mine owned a beautiful boutique in Beverly Hills, Fred Heyman. It was okay. called Giorgio's. And I would frequent the boutique just really more, more, more than anything to visit Fred. And whenever I'd walk through the door, he'd say, there's my sweetheart. And I thought, how lovely. What a lovely play on words. And I remembered it. I remembered it. And so I thought, what a thing to use as as a logo, sweetheart. Yes. I love it. Yeah. It's a great (laughs) So so now the new book is actually – it's all these paintings you've done of animals, which, mm-hmm. like, I didn't know. Like, how long have you been painting for? How long have you been an artist? Um, since I'm six years old, and there's no no reason you should know that because <laughs> you you probably weren't even born yet. But anyway, um, I've been painting uh, for a long time, and again, Definitely. it's not something necessarily that even a fan would know about because they're looking at my work as an actor, you know? Sure. But yes, I mean, when I was six, it was doodling and sketching and so forth, but I never stopped. And uh, I went into watercolor and that's what the book is really kind of about. My watercolors, there are about 65 watercolors in the book and little oh, wow. stories about each painting and so forth. It's, I'm very proud of the book, actually. I'm very, very pleased with the quality and uh, and the response. Wow. <laughs> now, 
how long had you been working on this? Actually, we did the book um, less than a year. Uh, my um, publisher, Mies, and I agreed on all the selections. We had very few um, the, uh, arguments about what, what to select. I mean, we really felt the same about the, the, the paintings that we selected for the book. And uh, then I wrote all the little articles with each painting, okay. which he liked. And um, uh, I, it, you know, I would say like eight, nine months. Oh, wow. How often do you paint? I mean, it's just something like you do. It sounds like you do a lot of painting. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry again. What? It sounds like you do a lot of painting. Like even if you were not doing this book, I mean, there's a lot of artwork. It sounds like you're constantly. Oh doing. yes, yes, yes. I enjoy it. I love it. And um, I find that if I'm doing a lot of theater. I have the daytime to explore all all of this, and um, and in the book you'll see I've written that I was doing love lost and what I wore, and I had this beautiful location and this uh, ideal situation with Florida ceiling windows overlooking Windsor, Canada, and I had this beautiful light, and I did two of I thought one of my best paintings during the run of that show. So when I talk about it, I tie that in. I was doing that play in that environment, and it inspired me to do those two paintings. So that's ostensibly what the book is about, all tying all the arts together, really. Nice. Now, also, too, I saw there was like a, um, a lot of pictures with you with all these different animals. Were these the, right. That was from the series, Those Incredible Animals. Uh, which was divine. I had all of this hands-on activity with all those wonderful animals. I'm at my happiest at that point, you know, when I'm, when I'm with all these wonderful animals. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. The, the one part, especially you with the elephant, the elephant's holding you in its trunk. Yeah. 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 <laughs> now, now, we're, we're were those animals, like those particular animals, were they the ones that inspired these pictures that you painted? Um, no, uh, I did very few. I'm trying to think. There are a couple of wild animals. Um, it's, it's hard to determine what inspires each painting. Um, today I was, was with someone who showed me a picture of a rescue that she did. And um, uh, I was very taken with that animal, and I, I sent myself a picture of it for down the line. I'll probably do a painting. It, it, you know, it's, you look at something and, and you get an inspiration to do it. You know, you, you, um, I have a cat, <laughs> my, my Anubis. He's a black and white tuxedo and he he doesn't have a bad angle. Every time I look at him, he's a painting. So I, I do a lot of paintings of newbie, we call him. Um, you never know. Um, you turn around and you're inspired by something, and it becomes a painting. 
it's hard to explain. Right. The the one painting too, um, you did of the cast of Mash. I, I was like, wow, like that was no, yeah. that was not mine. No, in the book. Oh no, that that Bernie Bernie Fuchs. The reason it's in the book is because it was an artwork, and it fit into the theme of the book. And I also, if I'm doing anything, I would be, uh, I I would be lax in not including my family, uh, friends uh, in match. And it gave me an opportunity to talk about how I love them. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, because it fit right in with the book. And I I could, I mean, I would have thought you did it. No, no, no. And it was an oil. Well, that's what you saw was a lithograph, but uh, the original painting was an oil painting. Oh, wow, okay. I only, I only work in watercolor. Gotcha, gotcha. So, so now, with the whole world of MASH, I mean, it was such an iconic show. Um, it, it's funny, because I, I actually I was thinking about it earlier today. I was like, I think that last episode of MASH was the first show that I actually, the TV show I watched, I cried to. Mm-hmm, uh-huh. It, uh, well, it was an amazing show, no question. The values, um, the production values, we had such great people in charge, everything honest and true, and keeping the characters honest. And I think right. people respond to that. The audience certainly responded to it. Yeah, it, it really did. I, it, that whole last episode, there was. I just remember, like the the hype being so much, um, and I was wondering, like, did you think, like, I mean, because that was, I don't know if there was, like, for a TV show to have that much hype around it at at that time, that made it like the the build up was so special, mm-hmm. and, and it yeah. truly added to the legend of the show. Yes, I agree. Did you think it was time for the show to end at that point? Uh, well, you know, who knows about timing. Uh, we all agreed to end because we thought we had run the gamut. So you don't want to start repeating right. yourself. That's true. But, but yeah, the, the, the funny thing is, because uh, um, my one co-host, he's a huge, uh, huge fan of the show, and uh, he was saying, he goes, you know, the funny thing is, you know, the show ended in 1983, but it still runs probably in syndication every day since. <laughs> uh, but actually, it's never been off the air. It went into syndication in year three. So it's wow. actually been on the air for longer than the original show. That's wild. Mm-hmm. It is wild. <laughs> uh, do, do you do you actually uh, still go back and watch it from time to time when you see it on? I don't. I don't enlist that. But when I run by, if I'm surfing, and I come across it, it will seduce me. It's just such a damn good show. <laughs> now, now, one thing too, I was wondering. Um, about that was being, you know, you were like this a very strong female character, a, a doctor in the military. Did you mm-hmm. ever have uh, females come to you over the years saying that you were an influence in them either becoming a doctor or joining the military? 
uh, mostly women who have become nurses because of uh, the role model they felt Houlihan portrayed. That's awesome. Yes, it has been very rewarding if if she inspired that kind of um, ambition. Who would have thought, right? A, a character named Hot Lips would have been such an influence. Well, that was not her name, actually. Her name was Margaret Houlihan, and she was a major. And that was inspiring than a nickname that only portrayed her as one part of her anatomy. And right. I think that also was made really clear in a series. Yep, Absolutely. So now with the going back to the book, um, the book is available now. And where yes, is the best yes. I'm on a website. Uh, I prefer if somebody is interested and wants to buy it, if they could buy it from the website over Amazon, which keeps 55% of the proceeds, my proceeds go directly into uh, an organ. My, my, uh, it's, it's called, Sweetheart Animal Alliance Foundation. So the proceeds go into that and they get filtered out to other needy organizations that care for animals. Yeah, so so definitely And the website the website is www.sweetheart.com, one word, capital S W I T, capital H E R T dot com. And you can find out a lot about the alliance. And you can buy the book at the same time. Yeah, so please, everybody, go to the website, sweetheart.com, and buy the book there. This way the proceeds go to the proper place where they should go. And you'll be helping a lot of animals. (laughs) That's a beautiful thing. Loretta, I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your day. I know you're busy at dinner and all. Thank you. And uh, good luck with everything. Great to chat with you. You too. I hope we get to do it again. Thank you. God bless. Good night. You too. Take care. All right. There she goes. Loretta Swit, who I just pissed off. (laughs) (laughs) It was so so innocent. You were just like hot lips. I mean, that's how they fucking referred to her on the cover of TV guy. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, she got she got mad. She, I mean, <laughs> it, it wasn't me, right? She she did get mad at me, right? No, and I don't think she understood what you were saying. Like you were trying to say she went from someone being called hot lips to being an inspiration. Like you were saying a positive there, right. but all she heard was hot lips, and that was it, man. Fucking depends in a bunch. Wow. <laughs> That's fucked up. That's all right. You know, you know what? You know, I'll, I'm going to, like, give her the benefit of the doubt. You didn't hear it in your like, voice. You were defeated. Yeah, I was. <laughs> I was you know, honestly, I honestly, I was defeated when I called her because she was out at dinner, and you heard all the commotion around her, and she couldn't even hear me. She had to, like, leave the place and go outside. And she's like, oh, the interview. That's right. She's like, I messed up the times. So I was just like, oh, oh. and and she couldn't hear me, and she's like outside the place. She's like, no, I can I can excuse myself for a few minutes, and I was like, uh, okay. Uh. 
But okay, so it wasn't me. Every once in a while, there was like a random person screaming obscenities in the background. He heard like all types of chatter and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I I want to do over on that one. I definitely want to do over on that one. <laughs> oh man. Uh, I'm sorry, Janetti. I pissed off. <laughs> no, it's good. Cool. I, you know, honestly, it's just funny. The only thing I was going to say to her was, uh, you know, her and Alan Alda were the only two that were in every episode of the Mash series. Right. And, you know, I was going to ask her, was there ever a time she considered actually leaving the show before, you know, the finish? Ooh, that would have been good. Yeah, so other than that, I mean, she would have corrected you. She would have been like, well, actually, in one episode, I wasn't there. It was my shadow, so you're fucking wrong, and I hate your show. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, no, she is listed with Alan Alda in all 251 episodes, I think. Now, I have her listed at 243 of 251. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, I think I, I think I read today that she missed eleven episodes. Okay. They have her but in she, technically, yeah. And yeah, and you never know what that counts. You know what I mean? Like that. that if there's now, just because scenes she missed an in, episode, it doesn't mean they use file. They didn't use like file footage or or whatever. Right. Whatever. <laughs> That's exactly what I was just saying. Yeah, you're absolutely okay. right. I'll flashback anything. Some yeah, some kind of scene where they uh, where they you know had her in in, uh, in with the nurses or something like that that they taped another day and just used on one show or the other. So yeah, you never know. But yeah, I or be, I'm sure the, I'm sure there were episodes where all you saw was her hair soaked up. And it was totally somebody else. You know what I mean? But they did her voiceover or something. You know what I mean? Sure. But yeah, IW or what is it? IMDT, whatever. IMDB. That, I am, yeah, whatever it is. Uh, has her listed with all the, the whole 251 episodes. Now, you know what's um, actually kind of funny is like one of the questions I had lined up to ask her was something I was just kind of saying. Uh, when we were talking about like legends and all that, um, and it was like after, um, you know, when the show ended, did um, and, and the characters are kind of like uh, you know now they have to go back to civilization. It's like what do you do? Like, did she feel the same way as her character? Like, all right, now that you know my my, my job is over here as as you know as Hot Lips and Mash. Like, where do I go from here now? Yeah. Well, the thing was, if you look at her thing, she was doing other shows while she was doing Match. She would appear in other things. Yeah. She did Love Boat and all. Yeah. And she was actually in the original Cagney and Lacey. Yeah. And that started, you know, because, and she couldn't finish because she was in Match. That was another thing I was going to ask her about is, uh, was that situation? Because I was, I liked Cagney and Lacey. I was a fan of the show. Yeah, I did too. Yeah, so, but, 
Yeah, so get a do-over again, and we'll ask her about tech stuff. <laughs> Fuckhead. <laughs> Piss her off. You give it like four hours, she won't remember us, so. Yeah, be fine. Wow. <laughs> All right, but since we're on the topic, let me ask you guys. I got a couple questions for you. Okay, you ready? Okay. Cool. BJ or Trapper John? I liked Mike Farrell better. I really did. I, I liked uh, McLean Stevens. No. Is that, that was Henry Blake. Anyway. I like Trapper John, but yeah, I, I was more episodes I saw were of Mike Farrell. Okay. Okay. You know I mean? uh, basically, here's the thing. I was born in 72, the same year the show started. By the right. time that I was actually watching it, Mike Farrell was already in the show. Trapper oh, had left. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I was I seen him in reruns, but by the time yeah, by the time I was actually watching the show it was Mike Farrell anyway. So Okay, so Potter or Blake. Oh, that's a good one. Um I'm gonna say Potter, but another I, I, I remember not seeing the original, um, you know, with Blake and all, kind of like the same right. scenario with Janetti, um, just to be because I was being uh, so young. But I remember seeing like right. in syndication when he died, uh, when they killed him off. I was really bummed out. Okay, so that's two of times that we've said that the older, the, the later season cast members are, are preferred. So last one, okay? Mm-hmm. Frank Burns or Winchester? Burns. Burns. Right. I hated Winchester. Winchester was so fucking annoying. I, I didn't hate Winchester, but I preferred Burns. Burns was easier to like pick on. Yeah. You know, or Charles, a lot of times wouldn't he? He wouldn't take it the way Burns would. It's interesting so it was, because Trapper and Trapper and Blake were in the first three seasons and. Burns lasted five, so it must have been those two overlapping seasons that really, when you guys started really catching on to it, then, huh? Mm-hmm. No, it was. It, I'd say it's more the character. Where I preferred, uh, like Bay, I preferred Potter, but it wasn't just because um, of he was on later. It was Blake was more of a an idiot. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. You couldn't you couldn't really see him running you know, that they would really put him in charge of something. You know what I mean? Whereas Potter, you were like, yo, that guy's in charge. Yeah, like he's in charge, but he's letting these things happen. You know, which seemed a little more make sense rather than than after all the stupidity that this guy does, they would still have him in charge of this thing. Uh right. You know, and that too, and plus I liked uh, Harry Morgan because he was. I, I watched Dragnet as well, and I liked watching Harry Morgan. So, yeah, I thought he was another Bert Potter. The thing with Winchester was it's just a character, uh, right? Not so much that I prefer, you know, Burns stayed the entire time, 
because I think it would have gotten old eventually anyway. But it's just the yeah. way the character, the way the character took the you know the crap that they did to him. Uh, it was just played better, I think, by Linville than it was by uh, Styers. Here's one for you. How about this? Father Mulcahy or Radar? Father Mulcahy. Yeah, well, Father Mulcahy. I mean, Radar was a weird character because even when he was like a bald, older guy, he still was kind of a kid. It was confusing. <laughs> yeah. And and while, you know, Father Mulcahy, I, I just, I, William Christopher, I liked him a lot, but... Uh, the character just seemed to, you know, it was one of those things where he 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 got the jokes and he kind of winked and nod, but he should, you know what I mean? The priest shouldn't like that shit. So, I like the way he played that. It was better than than Radar to me, the character overall. Okay, uh, favorite guest star. Ooh, that's hard. There's a lot of people, man, that uh, that went through. Hmm. Now, I asked my wife this question, and her answer was Norm from Cheers. Because, <laughs> because I guess he got a pool ball stuck in his mouth. Pool ball in his mouth. I, I haven't seen the episode, but she was like, it was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They were uh, like Major Winchester was making fun of him. He was gonna, you know, he's like, you got to open your mouth. I can't, I can't stick my thermometer in if you don't open your mouth. He goes, or we could just go to the other side, you know. And, <laughs> and here he's stuck with this pool ball in his mouth. He can't talk, and he's like, no, no, you know. So this is, yeah, it was funny. Um, mine would be not more funny. Mine would be like a serious, more serious thing. Cause you hadn't seen this type. Uh, of work from him previously, I guess. And you saw him as uh, Richie Cunningham, and you saw him as uh, uh, Opie. But Ron Howard did a gimmick. Yeah. Where they put him in there, he was underage. Uh, and he, you know, he lied about his age, got in, you know, and, and they ended up busting him for his age uh, to send him home because he got hurt. And he was kind of a he's kind of a dick <laughs> in the episode. I, I remember that though, man. When 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 I was thinking about it, the two that came to mind for me were Ron Howard and John Ritter. Yeah, yeah, he was. You remember? Too. You remember yeah. that episode where he was like, like the war had like mentally destroyed him. Yeah, and he had burns. Uh, by gunpoint in the shower or something like that. You know, Crazy John Ritter. Uh, I'm yeah. sitting here now and I have a, on Wikipedia a list of guest stars. Um, some names standing out to me. Joan Van Ark. Um, oh. John Ashton. Who's that? That name sounds familiar. Who is it? John Ashton? Yeah. Ash- the, the, uh Huh? You say Ashton or Aston? Ashton, A S H T O N. Okay. Yeah, it's it, not to do Mr. F- not Furley. Uh, Feeney from uh, 
What's his name? Boy Meets World or? John Ashton. I thought that was the guy from Beverly Hills and Midnight Run. No, maybe. I don't know. Uh, let me see here. Mr. Feeney was William Daniels. Oh, he was the guy on, um, he was on Beverly Hills Cop. He was one of the cops. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, all okay. right. Yeah, okay. yeah. Actually, I remember him. Yeah, okay. Okay. Uh, but yeah. here's some interesting names for you. Uh, Ed Begley Jr. Yeah. Uh, Boss Hogg. Sorrell Brook, or Sorrell Book, I mean. Yeah, he was a general. He was in there a yeah. couple, uh, couple of I totally see that. <laughs> yeah. Here's one for you. Andrew Dice Clay. Yes. Uh, I knew that. Season that was, 11. I don't remember that. Too. I don't remember he was drunk, right? In in the episode Trick or Treatment, he played Corporal Harbrowski. Huh. Episode 1102. Oh, yeah. I was going to say late, late, late in the series. Um, Brian yeah. Dennehy? Yeah. That doesn't surprise me. Yeah, him I remember. Lawrence Fishburne? Yeah. Ooh. Lawrence Fishburne was also in Trapper John. Was he the same character? Purple Dorsey. No, I doubt it. Yeah, I doubt oh. it. I doubt it. Terry Garner. It was funny that they didn't even use they didn't even use the real character for the lead part in Trapper John MD. <laughs> Uh, Ron Howard. That was in episode uh, season one, episode seventeen. Yeah. Alex Karras, who went on to play in uh, what was he? He was a football player. He played in was it Webster? He was the dad. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. He played for the Chicago Bears, didn't he? Yeah. Shelley Long. Mm-hmm. I'm a Tuzak. Mm-hmm. Hmm. He was a football player too. Yeah. Harry Morgan was actually in a episode in season three. That's he one of my major episodes. Yeah. yeah, one of my favorite episodes. <laughs> Leslie Nielsen. Yeah, yeah. He was a general, too. or not a general. He was a captain or something like that. Now, I, I, I happen to know something about that. Hold on. Um, oh, I can't remember the name of it now, but Harry Morgan's character from the season three is from a movie. It's not from the MASH movie, but it's from a, it's a reprisal of it from another movie, though. Ooh. Yeah. Major General oh, Barford Hamilton Steele. Yeah. Yeah, he did. Oh. It. it was my. It was one of my favorite episodes because here he is. He's like the general that goes nuts in this episode. In the episode, and he's trying to court martial uh, Alan Alda, and one of the black guy characters, uh, and I can't remember his name, but he was also uh, in uh, Good Times. He was the pimp, uh, JJ. Kept running from. I forget the fucking name in that. 
<laughs> but anyway, he was in that episode, and he they, he was a helicopter pilot. And uh, oh wow, he said that. Uh, so Harry Morgan's character says to him, says, "Listen here, I just want you to to tell the truth about what happened, but before you do, a number." And the guy looks at him and he goes, "I'm sorry, what?" He goes, "You know, a musical number." Come on, boy, you got it in your blood. Come on. <laughs> starts talking about the darks come out and, and they all get in a circle and all begin to shout, hey, hey. You know, oh. Dude, he starts losing it and starts dancing and singing and, and, and dances out of the camp. And the guy that's doing the park <laughs> marshal just like closes the book and goes, I think I think we're done here. <laughs> but it was just hilarious. Harry Morgan was hilarious in that. So yeah, that was one of my favorite episodes. Uh, so, some more interesting names here. Uh, Leslie Nielsen. He was in the first season, episode sixteen. Uh, yeah, he was a race something. They they were picking on her, something like that. Joey Pants. Yes. <laughs> season 10 episode 2 um, John Ritter like you guys said season 2 episode 13 he was really good in that okay. uh, Jack Sue from Bar- Barney Miller Jack So yeah. yeah he was actually in two episodes oh wow in season 1 he was in an episode and then in season 3 he was in an episode okay. um St. James, episode eight or season eight, episode twenty-three. Now here's one for you, Patrick Swayze. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, now I remember his. He he was kind of an asshole too, in, in the character and in, in, that he played. You know, he, he was. was he had like he had like a stupid injury or something, and and then it turned out he had cancer. Yeah. Well, his buddy died, and he was, you know, he was expecting them to save him. His buddy was dying. And then, yeah, yeah. something happened with him. He was just an asshole. <laughs> Character. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. Here's yeah, a lot one for you. Um, you guys were saying George Went, Norm? He's in yeah. the same episode as uh, Andrew Dice Clay. Oh, okay. Same episode? Same episode. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was like a Christmas episode or something, wasn't it? I'm or guessing Halloween. Trick or treatment? Halloween. Yeah, Halloween episode. Okay, yeah. Whatever, uh, the Marines were in town and... and at the bar and starting fights, and he was one of the Marines that they brought. Mm. George Went was. I don't know about the, the play. Uh, really Larry Wilcox. Yeah. And Ships. Mm. Yeah. What yeah. about um? Oh, Mr. Miyagi. Yeah. Yeah. He was like the the leader of South Korea or something like that, right? The or like the <laughs> leader of the army. What was his real yeah, name? Yeah, they did. 
uh, Pat Morita. Uh, but they also had him in uh, oh, yeah. where he was uh, in the MASH character. Like later on, they had him in there. Oh, I remember him. Yeah, I remember him sitting there and, and playing poker with uh, the psychologist Sydney, and I can't remember his name for the life of me. Oh, that's that's the same episode with John Ritter. Right. Uh, yes, he's in that episode, yeah. episode two thirteen, and he's also I... in episode two nineteen. Pat Morita. That's awesome. There's a lot of other names here, too. I mean. Oh, I imagine, like, I I was a little kid, but I imagine all of the nurses, all of, like, the hot nurses that they had dates with were probably somebody, you you know, that I would have known had I been, you know. Right. One of the nurses nurses was uh, Mrs. Cotter. I forget her name, but. No, really. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, welcome Marsh back, Grassman? Grassman or Grossman? Grossman, yeah. mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. So, yeah, she was, I remember her, one of the nurses, but uh, there was a few that were, you know, that they brought in from other. Uh, That's funny. Is that what Shelley Long, was she a nurse? Yes. Yeah. That show was nuts too Because it went from being funny To like Ridiculously dramatic To like it just You never knew where it was going to go Yeah It was a It was a It was an iconic show It really was I'll tell you what we were talking about this earlier today because my wife loves Mash. I mean, that's like one of her top shows of all time. And I, I, I guess I was wrong, but I could have swore that the thing that the show had a laugh track, and she said that it didn't. That it, it was only when they were doing surgery. And I, I, I looked it up, and I guess that was like a deal that they made, like. They they didn't want a laugh track because it wasn't supposed to be like your typical sitcom or something like that. Hmm. But there were laugh tracks added later and stuff like that. But apparently, uh, what's his name? Glebhart, Larry Glebhart was like he did not want a laugh track. It was and like fought the network for it. I thought that was pretty cool. I mean, you don't hear about stories like that. That's crazy. Yeah. And some of his biggest shows had, you know, last I mean, All in the Family, Mary Tyler Moore. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's pretty cool. For some reason, they wanted to seem that they were in front of a live studio audience. These shows. Some of them did. Yeah. Or whatever. <laughs> I don't think the laugh tracks are needed. I mean, they don't have them today a lot. Of them. Well, some of them I don't do. think so. Um, I also didn't realize that the finale was like a full-on movie. Oh, yeah. It was like two hours. 
Yeah. That's I I didn't realize that. I was like when they say the final episode, I just figured it was you know a standard episode, maybe double. You know what I mean? But but yeah, I mean that's significant. Was it 135 minutes? Yeah. Yeah, it was over two hours. Dude, dude, the I, I mean, Janetti, do you remember? I mean, just the endless hype yeah. for that building up. I mean, it was it was tremendous. I remember I was one of the, the millions of people that watched it. I watched yeah. it all. You know? um, so I even had a videotape of it afterwards. They put out a videotape like a few years after. And I had the videotape of it. Uh, I told you guys at the beginning of the show, man, um, the New York Times put out an article that said that the, the finale had 125 million viewers. And they also said that in 1983, there were only 83.3 million houses with television. Like, <laughs> yeah, how fucked up is that? That's crazy. Like they, and I was reading up on it, and I, that's because they, like the even the army made a big deal out of it. That they set up TVs for soldiers to watch all throughout. I mean, it was it's huge. It's oh. It's amazing well, when you think about what it accomplished, when it accomplished it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, here, here would be an interesting question. Uh, you know, if we can get like, which uh, is he seems stop? He's still alive, cleaner. The guy to play cleaner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jamie, come on, yeah. right? And talk to him what he thinks about like all the like the situation that was at your daughter's school this week. You know what I mean, Nick? <laughs> With all the right. cross dressing stuff and all, where does he stand on that stuff today? Yeah, he's crazy. still doing uh, commercials for Me TV as Klinger. Uh you know. So yeah. Now, I, I'll tell you guys. Think about this for a second, okay? The the season seven finale of Game of Thrones that broke all, all these audience records, right? They, they only had twelve point two million viewers. The final episode of Mash had one hundred and twenty five million. Like, <laughs> like it had ten times the number of viewers. Well, too. I mean, you know, you gotta you gotta realize too at the time there wasn't many choices. Well, that's true. I mean, that's oh, a great point. You know, I mean, you you now have how many friggin' channels that at 8 p.m. they have something on there. So, you know, and, and yeah, it's it's so weird now. Yeah, that is true. But it I was mean, when you only have limited channels. That yeah. it's easier to pull in those big numbers, I guess. But that, I mean, it's still. I mean that's a huge ass number. Right. It is. It is. But you know, too at the time, it's not only limited channels; it's limited shows. Because there wasn't that many, you know, television shows, especially that were that iconic and that loved on for that long. Uh, right. You're talking I, eleven years long. You have to remember, yeah, yeah. TV went went off at a certain time and. Just because there were 83 million TVs doesn't mean everyone had a TV. There were still large pockets of people that lived their lives without, you know what I mean? Like, that is true. Mm -hmm. 
And there's a lot of people that say, hey, let's go over to the Johnsons. They got TV. Right. <laughs> so, you know, you had everybody in the barn watching watching MASH season finale. That's... But, yeah. Have you ever seen the movie? I haven't, no. Yeah, like, I mean, I know not. it exists. You know what I mean? I, but I haven't seen it. Yeah. The movie's nuts. <laughs> it really is. That's funny. And Sally Kellerman played Margaret Houlihan. I bet she would have been nice to us. <laughs> For calling her hot lips, probably. <laughs> Well, you know what? Here it is too. I, you know, Bay hit her with it at the wrong time, I think. And all the, with all the crap about Weinstein now in Hollywood, she's still out there in California. So, right. You know, and, and yeah. So to sit here and and all the crap that's going on, and I guess all she thought you were saying was you were denigrating the character that she just said was a proud role model. <laughs> you know. So yeah, she's probably a little bit more sensitive than she would have been if it, if everything wasn't going on right now. Maybe I don't know. I I don't think she heard that, uh, heard me full either. Yeah, I don't no, think probably so. I think, not. Yeah, and, and that's why you deserve a do over. I'd call the whoever her agent and, and you know tell them what <laughs> tell them what happened. <laughs> Say hey, um, help me out here. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't about to ask her for a bumper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, this is Loretta Swift. You can go fuck yourself. <laughs> uh, oh, the iconic role funny. model, Loretta Swift. You can go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> That that went from being uh, an interview that wasn't too good to be in an interview that now could uh, or a moment that could happen at the best of 2017. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> uh, uh, that's funny. It really is. Wow. So I do have something on my list here that I want to talk to you guys about. Um, I have been doing this thing where if I'm up late at night, I'll try to watch, like, the older movie that I haven't seen, like, um, now when I say old, I don't, I, I don't mean, like, Clint Eastwood, uh, like, uh, like, further back, you know, like, John Wayne, further back, you know what I mean, like, I'm trying to catch up on, like, the early years of film and stuff like that, but I saw this one the other night, and it had me cracking up, and I uh, just want to throw it past you guys, tell you, tell you, ask you guys what you thought, or if you've seen it, but um, it was called A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum. I remember seeing it. Remember but seen I remember. it? Yeah, I think I have. It, I it, remember it's, seeing it. 
been so It's long pretty funny, that. dude. Like, it's, yeah. he's like a slave, and he's trying to help his master get this chick, and, like, if he's successful, he'll let him go free, and it's, yeah, it's pretty funny, man, I, I, I gotta say. Mm-hmm. Buster Keaton's in it, a lot, a lot of old-timer guys. And most of the most of the older movies that I've been watching lately, I've been watching on like uh, Me TV. They they play Spin Gooley every Saturday night, <laughs> and he's uh, he plays a lot of the old monster and old horror films and all that. Oh uh, really? In the last yeah, in the last month they he's played uh, the Wolfman, Frankenstein, the originals, both of them. Uh, this week coming up, I think, is the Ghost and Mister Chicken. <laughs> with Don <laughs> Last week was The Duel. Have you ever seen that? With, uh, oh. who's in that? Uh, shit. It that was really familiar. bad. Huh? That sounds familiar. Yeah, it was really bad. It was about this guy, kind of like, uh, Joyride has been. Where this guy was on an old California road, he was trying to get past oh. this truck. Past oh, I truck. love that movie. Do you? Oh, that was love terrible. that movie. Love that movie. Dennis Weaver. Dennis Weaver. Yeah, He's like, that was fucking yeah. nuts. Oh, yeah. Love that movie. He just he just played that uh, last uh, last Saturday night. Was that movie? Now, Nick, you got to watch that movie. I want to know what Nick thinks. So, what, what did you think about it? <laughs> Oh, that's a terrible movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Wow. Most User rating is... on IMDb is 7.7 7 out of 10. Yeah, I know, but still. <laughs> All it is is him in that fucking car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the movie probably cost like fucking, their, their biggest expense was probably gas, but I mean, it was a fucking, I love that movie. That's a mind fuck movie. Oh wow! It doesn't hold up as well as I think. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking things almost forty years old or fifty yeah. years old. It is. So you were saying though it was on what was the show you were saying it was on the one that it shows like old school monster movies and stuff. Sven Gulli. Sven Sven Right, he's a, he's not, one of the horror. He's a horror host, kind of like he was a local horror host for a while. Uh, he was on WGN okay. out of Chicago, and he was doing it for years. And then I guess MeTV started, uh, and they picked up his show. And with him, with them picking up the show, they, he's done a resurgence where he's come back out now and he's running shows again. No, I used to watch this one when I was a kid. It was uh, Joe Bob's Drive-In, and they would show, like, trivia and commentary and stuff. Did they do that kind of stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he has has little in between between the movie, and and he'll talk about, you know, the cast of the movie. He'll give special points of the movie of what it's been and and all that. Um, And, yeah, they have little goof segments and and comedians. He's pretty funny, too. The guy, I forget his name though. Uh, See, I, I yeah, just he, look at that guy, and I can't yeah. watch it. I can't take him serious. 
<laughs> yeah, it's it, 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 he's pretty funny though. You remember Saturday Night Dead? Yeah. With Stella. Yeah, it's basically the same thing, or or Elvira, whatever it is. But yeah, they just picked his stuff up. And uh, yeah, he looks he looks like Paul Bearer had a son with the blue meanie. Yeah, right. He <laughs> <laughs> does. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, I mean there's I some really good movie. movies he has on there, and really some good movies too. So. Oh, I'm gonna have to check this out, dude. I used to love the one that I watched, man. I saw like The Fog. That was the first time I ever saw that on there. Swamp Thing, all kinds of cool stuff. Yeah. I I should reach out to him see if we can get him on the show. He should. He's uh, he's got a website that you can contact him. He does he does appearances at like Comic Cons, but I don't know if he does them more out of the area of like Illinois or. Because I know he's based there. He's he's up in Chicago. Um, and he does, like, surrounding areas, Comic-Cons and all that, horror shows and all that. But. I'm going to have to – I'm watch. I'm going to scour the Internet now trying to get some of these to watch. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, he did, a, he did a month-long deal where he had all, all Godzilla movies throughout the month. That's cool, man. I I can't wait to check that out. I love. I wish they had more stuff like that. That was like more fan interactive and, and like those shows are so cool, man. They don't do anything. Uh... <laughs> Yo, know, this guy Stringoli had a contest. It was. A- Win a rubber chicken. <laughs> yeah. One of his gimmicks is they throw rubber chickens at him when he when he starts making jokes. Oh, that's funny. See, and reasons like that is why we need video. Yeah. <laughs> Spangooly. But yeah, I just love, I always liked watching those uh, those bad monster movies from from those type of hosts. Yeah, man. You know, every Saturday afternoon there used to be bad monster movies for like hours on Channel Seventeen. Oh, All right, I just sent him an email. Huh? Yeah. Okay. He's a, I mean he's a funny guy. Some of his stuff is funny. I mean, we'll see. And you look at him without the makeup, and you can't see it. (laughs) (laughs) On his Facebook page, he's got his uh, profile picture is a picture of Klinger holding up a Spengoolie shirt. Yeah, he's got a lot of people here, like uh, Jamie Farr and and Gilbert Gottfried's. friend of his too and Jerry Lawler I've seen on his he has uh, interviewed him a few times wait a minute um, is this the guy the pro, I'm looking at a profile picture now it's this guy sitting with Don Rickles and Rickles is holding up a Spangoolie shirt yeah 
and, and yeah. person saying, I feel like I just saw Batman without his mask, Bozo without his makeup, Superman without his cape, <laughs> Captain Kirk without his toupee. <laughs> Dude, it does look nothing like him. No, I know. You look at it, you're like, what the hell? Is that Ben Gooley? I forget his name. I, I really do. Uh, but, yeah. And it's interesting because he took it over from uh, from the original Sven Gulli. The guy was would, wasn't like a dead character. It, it was kind of a weird situation, and he ended up inheriting it from the guy, and he took it in a different direction, and he just kept the monster movies going. But this is he's been around for a long time yeah. doing that. That's so cool. Yeah, looking at yeah, this dude exactly. without his uh, makeup and all on. Looks be- he looks better with the makeup on. That's a scary thought. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's funny. Mm. So, all right, and, uh, what's uh, what are the Eagles doing? I don't know. I forgot. <laughs> Let's see. They are. I don't know. It's the fourth quarter. I think they're winning. Um, I have no idea. Only city's team I care about right now is Star City's team. <laughs> yeah, they're winning twenty eight to sixteen. Uh, I'm just asking, like I said, I, I'm asking, I hope Mike Bucci is listening to this. Mike Bucci, you're a pain in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> Nova, you moron. Fucking beginning of the season. Something happened. And, like, no, I think it was the first loss that, that Philly took. And he was like, that's it. Philadelphia's season is over. It's all over. Idiot. You know, I was hoping that our, I was hoping that our angry fan would call back in this week. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> the, uh, uh, but yeah, so as long as, as long as Dallas keeps losing and the Philly keeps where I'm happy with. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, well, I guess, uh, we can wrap up. Now, next week, I don't know what I'm going to do for next week. Because next week Maybe is supposed ne- to be next the week is supposed to be what? The Bigfoot show. Uh, but nobody's found him yet? <laughs> Nobody has found him, yeah. <laughs> the scary point is, I reached out to all them different, like, big feet, big, yeah, big feet, Bigfoot people that do all these different shows and all, not one response. 
I guess so. They must not have service. No, they're all not, probably thinking you're going to make fun of them, which you should. Totally. <laughs> so. Uh, well, good. Maybe yeah. we'll get a chance to do some of our lists. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm thinking. The only, I mean, look, man, you can go around and think Bigfoot is real and he's out there somewhere, and that's great. But why sit there and do a show that you're basically proving to everybody that already thinks you're an idiot and, and for thinking that, and you're just basically proving it to them? Those those type of dudes are idiots. I mean, you look at all those ghost shows. Not one of them has ever actually found a ghost. But that doesn't stop them from being like, yo, look at what just scratched me. And all kinds of, like, they pretend that the ghost is talking to them through the speaking spell. All kinds of crazy shit. Like, they don't care what normal people think. They're so deep in their own crazy. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we'll fi- we'll figure uh, we'll put something together for next week, and then uh, yeah, hopefully we won't we won't piss anybody off next week. <laughs> next week from next week we'll have someone from the Jeffersons tell us all. Oh man! All right, guys. Let's uh, let's wrap it up. Thanks everybody for tuning in. Thanks for uh, the right of sweat for uh, not cursing me out. Uh, thanks to Aaron Dickin for being super cool. <laughs> thanks to Kristen Burt as always, and thanks to uh, Janetti and Nick for uh, for hanging out and being totally driven and having fun and laughing at me for this show. <laughs> we laugh at every show. We really do. <laughs> and uh, go birds. E-A-G-L-E-S. See you, everybody. <laughs>